now we're back at it. <clears throat> back to back for us. It won't be back to back when we drop the episodes. No, I mean, actually, it may be back to back still, but it won't be like back to back days. Aha! There you go, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, this weekend, so we had The Pitbull, which was a damn good episode. Whoever is listening to this hasn't listened to Pitbull. Pitbull Torres was a good one. That was an awesome episode. Yeah. That was a guy that you could just sit back and you're. You didn't have to ask him questions. He just had story after story yeah. after story. And then he's even got, um, you know, got interesting. But he, we were talking about the strength cartel. And he's talking about some of the beasts the strength cartels got in. And then um, I remember like, he brought a big boy. And he's like, yeah, he, Big Joe is one of his big homies. He met him when he was in the pen. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. big boy's in the pen? Was he in the pen for? He goes, yeah, I'm going to let him tell that story. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's shit. That's, that's you know uh, that's not some that's a story <laughs> then if you need your boy to tell it for him. Um, but fine, it feels like there could be a million stories. But uh, but he's like he was super chill, easy going, nice guy too. Like he, he was well saying, spoken for yeah, his age. Like he he was saying well like, spoken for his age as well. Yeah, twenty four years yeah. old. Like he's young. He's he's really really young in terms of like um, how much experience he's got in the game. I didn't know he was like I think he said two thousand six. Was his first powerlifting competition. Not many guys at twenty four vets like that. Yeah, no, but he was insane. Yeah, he was young as hell. But um, and how many guys are setting the tools that he set at his first competition? Yeah, no, he's he's a, he's a beast. Yeah. And even like stories from like Chad Wesley Smith, the fucking um, well Ed Cohen, Ed as Cohen, his, as his head rep on his Ed second, Cohen to uh, second meet. Yeah, to Rich Piana to, to like Stan, this dude, to Stan like, Effling. Yeah, man, it was like. He's, oh, He's basically run the gambit of who's who in terms of it, powerlifting. And I didn't, I didn't know like he had all these like, uh, you know, all this is already he's been through all this already. Uh, when I when I booked him, I didn't realize what I was booking there. I thought here's you know he's he's a top flight elite powerlifter and we like to get these people on and you never know their stories and some people are like oh you want to hear some stories then they they just <laughs> drop some like yeah. do you know Rich Pien? Do you know, it's like, holy shit. No, man. you would never expect to see the... Castleberry? Yeah. You know, holy, like, it, it, it was it was nuts. And the guy's 24. Imagine when he's 44 looking back, you know? No, you I mean? look at the guy's in- Instagram channel and you would never expect anything like that. No, yeah, he doesn't really get into... Because he said he keeps just straight up training, right? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really air, like, all this background stuff. So I'm glad we got, a, we got him on. I think a lot of people probably would listen to it and be like, holy shit. There's a lot of stories there, a lot of good content. Talking about stories, we got Sebastian Oreb, who online, you guys might know him as the Australian strength coach, and uh, I'm, I guarantee he's got some stuff to talk about. None other than, so reading his profile, uh, we've done a little back and forth to do a little research on him before we had him on. I already knew he trains um, half Thor Bjornsson, who anyone who doesn't know, uh, is the first off the mountain from Game of Thrones? I and I'm that's a, that's gotta be what's dressed. Dude, first. I'm a fucking huge Game of Thrones nerd. Oh man, that's I'm the dude who would be googling theories and all the types. Of oh yeah, no, I've already rewatched all the seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going back and I'm doing the same thing. I'm watching all the uh, Did I miss all the theory videos. Yeah. And Getting in arguments on, yeah. on forums with people when I'm, supposed, when I'm supposed to be working. Yeah, that's, no, right. that, that's me. Yeah, stayed up and then um. Um, also, obviously, half Thor, the world's strongest man. So, Sebastian said, first he got into, like, um, MMA, like, like with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, kickboxing, etc. Started doing strength training, and all of a sudden, started lifting weights to get better at it. Said, oh, my God, I love this. Hold the phone, and then um, dove full on into it. Said, 
you know, the more research he got, the more he started falling in love with it, the more he's like, you know, and, and then people around him who weren't into strength training, like the other martial arts and stuff, were like, hey, you know something, teach me. And then he found out, holy shit, my second love, teach it. Yep. So then he's like, let me put these together. And um, obviously, if you're a strength coach and you want to be like, what would be the ultimate as a strength coach? Well, I think taking I a guy to the world's strongest man not title. Not just taking him to the world's strongest man title, but taking him to the Arnold's title and Europe's strongest. Yeah, all in the same year. All in the same year. And here's something about, um, if, you, if you follow Half Thor, I remember back in the day, um, and it's good that you pointed out, I remember back in the day, he was like, because he's so tall, he's lean, he's like 400 some odd pounds with fucking abs, um, but he didn't have like the static power, pressing power, pulling power, etc. that like an Eddie Hall or Zavikas had. Yeah. Initially. So when he would go to the Arnold, for people who don't know, World's Strongest Man and European Strongest Man are more pushing, pulling, dragging events, um, you know, plane pulls, etc. So they're, if you're strong as fuck, but also a little athletic and you can use your levers, sometimes you can win those, but you won't win Arnold's Classic because Arnold, he got a guy to devise nothing but, he, he said, I want all the events involved in the Arnold to be brute strength. I give a fuck not about you know, how quickly you pick yeah. something up and put it on your back and carry like for, for a distance or anything like that. Um, it's gotta be all done on stage and all heavy as fuck. So guys previously who might win World's Strongest, like Mary's Pudzinowski, yep. um, would be- Another giant with abs. Just murdering World's Strongest Man repeatedly and never, like, I don't even know if he maybe cracked the top five at Arnold, got fourth maybe or something like that, but struck. Half Thor looked like he'd be that dude. And then, like, like initially when he hit the scene, I thought, yeah, he could win World's Strongest, but I don't know if he'll ever win Arnold because I just, I think, I don't think it's, it's in him. He, and that's an Eddie Hall. Even World's Strongest, I remember there was, I can't remember which year it was, but it was like three years ago maybe, where there was a showdown and it came down to deadlifts. Oh, and yeah. Half Thor ended up losing it because A, he decided not to wear a deadlift suit. No, no, you know what? I think it was squats. He didn't wear squats. Oh, sorry, squats, you're right. And Zavikas. Yes. So Jordan Zavikas, who um, is a powerlifter and he's built for squat, yeah. dead, bench. And he's, he decided, I'm not going to wear a squat suit. I'm going raw, just to show raw power. Zavikas is like, yeah, I'll wear a squat yeah. suit. I'm not, I'm also yeah, that's, that's, I've been around a lot. That's what an early 20 person says. It's like, I don't need a squat suit. Exactly. And Zavikas is like, you're going to regret this decision, young man. And all of a sudden told, uh, half a lost by like, one, one like, fucking point. Yeah. Or maybe half a point. It was like half a point. And he no doubt could have picked up a rep he or two. one rep, from yeah. what I remember. Yeah. So, and he could have been a world's strongest man. I remember talking to you about that because years went by after that and he couldn't get the win even though he popped the suit on, and we were like, holy fuck, what if this this man retires having never won and that's as close as he ever yep. got? That would be like, you would never no, be able to... We had the discussion for years. You would never be able to live with yourself. You're like, oh my God. And I remember when he signed on to be the mountain from Game of Thrones, I remember being so excited because like, um, nobody knew who the fuck he was at the time, but for so any strength athlete, to sign on to a show that big, show so much light, so many eyeballs move to the sport, all strength sports, because they put out a press release, and everybody, I have guys on my work being like, did you hear about the guy who's playing the mountain? Did you know he's one of the strongest men in the world? And um, I remember thinking, yeah. fuck, if he was the strongest man in the world, yeah. had he won, 
that'd be even bigger. It'd be an even better story, for sure. But and you know, Game of Thrones would milk it. Game of Thrones is still on, heading into the final season, and they got the world's strongest man who was on the show. And <clears throat> in terms of ever since he signed on to that, he's a guy who had struggled with English, and um, you know he wasn't like he, he wasn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger in terms of pumping iron, charismatic. Yeah, no, he doesn't that. have. Yeah, he doesn't have but the same. Boom goes the fucking dynamite for his. He's he's really made something out of himself in terms of like look at. I'm going to master English as best as I can. Now it's English is pretty passable. You see in the videos, he dresses up like a huge Santa, goes up and down aisles. He's like punking people in this hidden camera video. And he was actually okay, funny as fuck. I, I have seen that. That's awesome. We, we posted it on King of List, and it was like, oh, he's pretty funny. Like he, he's the dude. Like he's, got, he's got an acting agent. He's got someone helping him with English. And he's, he's, he's putting out his own, like, like, uh, like, vodkas and shit like that. Like, he's actually saying, look, this is my window. I'm a fucking milk. I'm gonna do the best as I, much can. As I can. With this yeah, place. you know, and I love it. I think like I love when a guy takes the opportunity that's given to him and seizes the moment. And um, shit, man, if anybody has, Hathor has, because it'd be a shame. You know, we've had guys like, for instance, uh, the Finn. I seen him at World, or I seen him at the IPF World Championships. Uh, Olo, Ola, or whatever. Oh, Yoko Ola. Yoko Ola, two time. Yeah. Uh, he was in a couple movies. Um, and, and his light was pretty big and he was with Tim yeah. he was in a few movies like as a leading man not leading like a co-lead but um, with some for real people uh, a couple world like a World War II movie shit like that where he was like a strong man who's Jewish and Nazi propaganda this is based on his true story they said just say you're Aryan and he had it was, it was really yeah Tim Roth he was like a fucking Academy Award winner yeah um, really good but there's some people who, who had made the most out of it but I think fucking it's, but, he, you know, in terms of guys, like, from our era, there's no question Hathor's really kicked that ball right down the Oh, yeah. And right again, between the goalposts. Ending up on TV's arguably biggest show ever. The biggest! Uh, that, that helps jumpstart the career, I feel like. When that happens, get yourself a fucking agent. Yeah. And, and get yourself a, a, a manager who's, like, a business partner who's like, what can we do? Can we do vodkas? Can we do t-shirts? He's got t-shirts. He's got, he's got like, a... He's milking the fuck out of it. Oh, he's doing so put, well with it. your face on everything you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah, he's killing it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, get back. So Sebastian, I've been following him. Not only has Sebastian got him, um, Alex Simon, who, uh, like, this isn't just a one-off for Sebastian. Sebastian's got Alex Simon, who's almost like picture perfect for Sebastian's background in terms of, um, breaking these, all these big, from big dogs, because big dogs always takes place in Australia. Yes, yeah. it has been anyways. And, um, Alex Simon just smashing these records in, in big dogs, these Australian records. I think he's squatting like 400 kilo, massive, strong fucking guy. Remember, everyone remembers he tore open his single and he had strong motherfucker t-shirt. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, he's a strong motherfucker. Um, and this big, huge dude turns into MMA and, um, and he's smashing it. Dude, he, okay, so here's the thing. Some dudes, when they're huge like that. And they go into MMA are so goddamn bulky, and they they look stiff, and it's awkward to see them throw punches, and it's like it's like oh fuck he looks all types of awkward work. So usually there's like an optimal two hundred forty pound range for heavyweights, and then they throw punches that can be seamless. Uh, they're big, they're leaner, whatever the shit, right? You see this guy when he walks in and he's just kick, pro kickboxing, pro MMA, hitting heavy bag. I think he's five. I think Sebastian was saying five and zero. Oh, all five of his knockouts yep. in the first fucking round. You watch Within it. Within like 30 seconds, I think it is. It's cuts, just ridiculous. He cuts these guys down like he's chopping down a tree. And I don't mean like just one big right hand, slow, cumbersome, you see the punch coming. I mean left, right, up, body, back. 
back up to the top, but down to the body, up down the middle. And it's like, oh, yeah, the guy who's getting hit is like, fuck my life. Like, this dude is so strong. Usually these big, huge, strong guys, when they start punching, they can't get their strength behind the punches. So it's not yeah. as scary as it looks. Like, you know he's huge, he's strong. If you got a hold of you and powerbombs you, you're going to die. If he gets a hold of you and gets on top of you, you're not getting back up. You're going to get pummeled on the ground. But on their feet, when they're swinging them, they can't get, like, their whole uh, strength behind Yeah, we're not usually built for, uh, built for speed. This, say. this dude gets, like, he hits with all this power behind it. Comes back, and the next one comes, and the next one comes, and he's turning his hips into them. They're not arm punches. Frightening. Fucking frightening. And five guys probably lost about five years of their life fighting this fucking guy. What asshole who's the manager of those other guys signed to fight this fucking guy? If you're the manager, listen to me. If you're a manager in Australia, you got a young yeah. kid, he has a promising career, do your research, asshole. Google Alex I'm going to be like, yeah, we're going to pass on Or clearly you just don't like your athlete. You're running out of the sport as fast yeah, as possible. Exactly. Like, this kid's got no yeah. future. I'm going to milk this guy. Yeah. How much to fight him? Yeah. But, but Jesus, I can only imagine if you had a heavyweight, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty tough. You Google and you see this fucking guy striking and shit, right? It, like, he even when he just hits the heavy bag and he posts videos, this heavy bag is like 120 pounds getting rattled like it's a fucking toy. So Sebastian was talking about, um, in this little article, it's sent me, just like background information for us about how weightlifting, and I want to get into Sebastian, um, weightlifting doesn't just have to be static movements. He said, being strong in general and having your nervous system ramped up can apply to other sports that aren't just strength sports. Like for instance, half Thor, it isn't, it isn't just static up down that he has like a squat down yeah. bench. He has to drag, pull, carry, fairly if there's some athletic. No, I guess he's pretty much the throwing. He is pretty much the perfect case study for, yeah, for like this they, type of training. They have to do weight over bar the whole yeah. fucking and throw these weights. You have to like project items. Like it's it's um exactly a perfect case study for how does it work. And then going into an athlete where like Alex Simon, an MMA fighter, where you need speed, cardio, and moving other bodies around, and it terms like not getting tired. Well, when he's got to push-pull another man who's 260 pounds, 260 pounds is, happy, is huge, okay? But 260 pounds, for, for yourself, you could take 260 on your back for reps like it's fucking nothing. Yeah. For Alex Simon, it doesn't even register. In terms of his nervous system... No, he probably him, starts warming up at 500. I mean, that's not even... Yeah. Well, for real. Yeah. You know, he, he uh, like in terms of registering, how much does that move his nervous system so he starts to get tired... If you think you weigh 260 and you're a big boy and he's got to toss you around a little bit and you're roughing it up in the clinch, it's not registering for him yet. It's going to take a exactly. long fucking yeah. time. You know what I mean? Like he would rep that shit out all day, all night. Um, and, to, and if you give him a minute break in between rounds, well, good luck. So um, Sebastian talked a little bit about that in the piece he gave us and I want to dive into that shit and hopefully we could break down some myths because he had said, you know, a lot of people like he, he does do other things um, than just the power list. But he thinks they're not used enough and people overlook them. You know, they, they just don't realize, yeah. like, hey, this is applicable for other sports, not just strength sports. You know, you don't, you don't just have to be strong. We've talked a couple, I talked to you about uh, the, the, not the sprinter, he's a long distance runner from Great Britain, fucking one of the greatest of all time, Mo Farah. Literally 115 pounds. And the guy does squats, deads, bench press. Yes. And, and he, he does... Yeah, we've I talked mean, about like, him a couple times. Yeah, 10,000. And he advocates 15, powerlifting. Yeah. You gotta lift weights. And people are like, really? He goes, oh yeah. 
Yeah, man, you need to project out. You need to project yourself down there and keep it going. And it's easier when you're conditioned, nervous system's conditioned. Well, look at, look at all these other sports as well. Like, look at golf now. Look at baseball. Yeah. You've got all these guys that are really... Well, look, they're baseball, all, these dudes are fucking they're all, they're all training squats, yeah. training deadlifts yeah. nowadays. 100%. Yeah. Obviously, football's a no-brainer, but yeah. um, there's like, yeah, for sure. Like, your body, if you need to generate force to throw something, where do you think it comes from? You have an engine. If you need to generate force to propel yourself... Jump off the ground, whatever the shit. You have an engine, muscles, whatever. And maybe it isn't, you know, it might change a little bit in variation. We could talk to Sebastian about um, rep ranges, whatever the shit, but you still can't get around the fact that you should be weightlifting, strength training, yep. whatever. Athletes don't look the same now as they did in the 60s. No. Being stronger is never going to be a problem when you're doing sports. It's not a negative. It's definitely not a negative. In life, man, being stronger is better. Um, so anyways, with no further ado... Uh, let's bring the man himself who, who can speak on this. Um, Sebastian Oreb, Australian strength coach. I'm going to give him a ring right now. He's crazy. He's crazy, my friend. Yeah. He's I've, a, I've done it a couple times, though. Paul's, yeah. Yeah, Paul, yeah you've done is, is five kilo the most you've cut, Paul? The most I've cut is about seven and a bit kilo. Yeah. Around 15 pounds. It's too far away. But some people, I know, I know my friend. Hey, Sebastian, if that was me, I'd be dead. You know well, yeah, I, I do a 24-hour weigh-in, and the most that I've ever done is five kilograms, and I feel it definitely, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I definitely just prefer to not cut weight, uh, but, you know, I guess I guess if you're going to get the best total and, the, the you know, the best opportunity, you know, the weight cut's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, it totally depends on, on the athlete, right? Like, some guys, they cut water, and, and they feel like, like, Paul does it and hits PRs. And I'm like, how the shit? Yep. Like, like I mean, better than he does in the gym when he's no really? bigger. I like that's also like adrenaline and things like that. But definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But still, even with all of those things, I just yeah, personally, yeah, that's that's hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. Yeah. I know. The hardest part for me is just some constant trips to the bathroom. That's all I really get bothered. Yeah. About. yeah. Well, the water. So what do you do? Do you have diuretics or something? Uh, nope, just bloating water and sodium for the next, for oh, right. six days. And then cut it. And then, and then cut it. Do you ever, have you ever done magnesium citrate? I haven't tried it yet, no. I haven't had to. Magnesium citrate, um, I mean, it's, it's nothing complicated, but yeah, that will drain the shit, like literally. Literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the shit. It cleans the pipes, my friend. Holy smokes. Have you ever tried magnesium citrate? I've not, I've not, um, been in that situation yet. Maybe I... Uh, you know, one day, a lot of, like, I'm doing competitions where my weight cut is, is also it's a two-hour weigh-in. So I just completely dismissed um, the, even the thought of cutting weight like that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, next week, next weekend I'm doing a competition as well with a 24-hour weigh-in. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to eat up for it, but I just, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just can't. It's too much for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, I've done, if you, okay, so if you ever noodle around with magnesium citrate, you're going to yeah. want time in between lifting and taking it, like, I mean, like 36 hours, because that can clean the pipes, my friend, yeah, and yeah, things, yeah, yeah. things you ate in kindergarten resurface, okay, <laughs> 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 things you had forgot about, You've got like, a, like, you've got like a you, crayon and an action figure that uh, suddenly just around. A crayon oh. comes from, from when you were oh, five, oh. like, oh shit, my brother's uh, car keys, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, 
Well, it probably works if you, if you know how to do it, that is, anyway. Yeah, no, you definitely don't want to hit the platform and misjudge your time. And all of a sudden, oh. like, whoa, we're going to, I'm going to end up all over Instagram. Yeah, I'm taking only two attempts yeah. today. That's right. My uh, third attempt is going to be a squat in the we're, bathroom. We're going to be famous for all the wrong reasons. Ah, <laughs> uh, Jesus. Well, Jim Fiddles. To be, honest with, to be honest with you, I was speaking to one of my friends. He came and lifted at our gym. He's a very good lifter in Australia. And we were literally, we were talking shit talk, uh, you know, about, you know, get, getting on the platform and and we don't do any of the weight cuts but sometimes it's just the nerves it kind of does that to you anyway you know yeah uh, you know you're going for a pr load and it's just like <laughs> you, a pr load indeed sir <laughs> PR load, you gotta go, you gotta go. <laughs> yeah well the thing is too if you take pre-workout and there's so much pressure coming down on your body and then the position you do when you squat, it's almost like a recipe for disaster. It's, it really, it's my biggest fear when I hit the platform, it's, honestly. Oh, God, don't let this I'm happen. just waiting for the day that it does happen. <laughs> did, you know, did you know there was a boxer? His name was Six Heads Lewis. He was a WBA welterweight champion at one point. But he, at one point, he was fighting for the African national title, okay? And um, he was winning the match. And this is a guy that he should beat any given day. It was like round five or something. In between rounds, he tells his, his corner, cut the fucking gloves off. And they're like, what are you talking about? He goes, cut the goddamn gloves off, man. I mean, right now. And they're like, dude, relax. You're winning. He's like, no, I got to take a shit. And I'm not going to be that guy. They cut the gloves off, ran out the ring into the locker room. And everybody's like, what the fuck, man? Like, it's just like a, like, is he throwing the match or whatever? Yeah. And they interview the press. He's like, everybody can say whatever they want. I felt it around round one. And every body blow, you're like, God damn it. Oh. And then and all the body blows, too. Body blows. And then come around five, he's like, that's it. It's it. It's, 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 it's coming. You know, you know when it's coming. Yeah. You know when it's, when you're, right yeah. at the, when you fought. The point you, of no return. You, if you're past the point of no return, you're like, that's it. I'm not going to be that. Because you wear shorts when you box, too. Definitely. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. <laughs> he's like, so I'm not going to be that guy. So he got disqualified. Uh, rematch, rematch the guy, beat the guy, got the title, uh, the, the national title, and then he's like, all right, well, all's well, that ends well. And I read right. it, I was like, hey, fuck it, I, yeah, I totally I would agree. be with him. Yeah, I'd be like, let's get these yeah. gloves off you, young man, because I don't, you don't need this. You'll be that guy forever. He, exactly, exactly. Now, he made the right decision, he made the right decision. That's right. He, he had won the world championships, and he could have been Floyd Mayweather, and it doesn't matter. He'll be, he'll be known as the guy who should Exactly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. It overlooks everything. But um, so you had done uh, reading your piece that you sent us, and thank you. That was awesome. Got a good background on yourself. You kind of actually got a background in uh, martial arts, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, kickboxing. So when did you start doing uh, martial arts? So I started doing martial arts, I forget the year, but I started as a personal trainer, um, you know, as soon as I started uh, training with weights pretty much, uh, which was 15 years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, my, my history with training was, I, I didn't know much, obviously. Uh, you know, no, no one really does know much, especially when they first start. And, um, you know, I, I got all of my knowledge from Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia, and that's how I trained. And all I thought about weight training was that you train weights to build muscle like a bodybuilder and I didn't know about strength training um, I just thought you train weights to, to look like Arnold if you can you know mm -hmm. and uh, you know after about two or three years of training this way uh, you know my results plateaued um, as you know fair enough they would if, if you kept doing the same thing like I was doing and I got sick of it so I, I took up another sport and I was always interested in 
in martial arts. You know, I grew up, I watched, uh, you know, Hoist Gracie, if you guys are into UFC. Oh, yeah. Hoist oh, Gracie. hell yeah. Yeah, so, like, you know, from the very first episodes of the UFC, and I've always loved it, and I always thought, you know, if I want to, uh, you know, learn something, you know, in self-defense, I've got to learn how to do jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, finally... After I got sick of training with weights, I just bit the bullet and I started. Uh, I started training with jujitsu. And uh, the funny story is, uh, I got pretty good at. Well, in in a very short time, like I, I got my blue belt in the first year, and we got rid of the gi. If you if you're familiar with jujitsu, there's gi and no gi. So yeah. um, I, I got rid of the, the gi, and I did a lot of wrestling with a lot of my MMA friends who were professional fighters. And um, you know, I, I had access to a lot of pros and. Um, uh, you know, that's kind of the, the avenue that I wanted to go down. But these guys would beat me up real bad. I was never good enough to become a pro. I always knew that. Um, and and I guess I, I wanted to help these guys in some way. I knew I had to make a career with what I was doing. So I kind of went down the avenue of trying to help these guys get strong for their sport. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, so, so my strength training days, they kind of started around, yeah, getting people strong for martial arts, actually. And, and when you started, like, investigating, because obviously, I mean, we'll get to it in a minute, but this, like, fucking worked out. <laughs> it worked out really well. It's funny how it worked out, but yeah. Spoiler no. alert, it worked out pretty well. But, um, but yeah, so when you started doing, like, investigating, um, where did you turn to when you started investigating for yourself? Because the good thing about the internet and social media, um, well, it's good and bad. There's so much shit out there that you can read. But the pr- that's good and bad because there's a lot of it that it really is shit. Um, but some of it is quality if you find the right stuff. If you find the right, if you know who to, or if you know who to trust. Yeah, there's a lot of great free information out there. Um, but that's right, there's a lot of free crap as well. Yeah. Um, but but that's right. So I I didn't actually I wasn't very um, internet savvy when I when I began my pursuit to be a coach. Um, I, I had people around me and I had good people around me. I had a, a professional coach for a rugby team in South Africa. Mm-hmm. He just, uh, he, he left South Africa and he came to Australia and he started working in my gym. So I employed him straight away. And that's who kind of gave me the itch for, well, well I just, I admired his knowledge. You know, I'd never heard of strength training before. Like I said, all I thought was you train weights for, you know, building muscle like Arnold Schwarzenegger did, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, so he introduced to me strength training and he introduced to me periodization and, uh, you know, understanding of load selection and, and uh, progressive overload. And it was just some, such simple concepts that I applied to my training. And all of a sudden I was getting stronger. I was building muscle and my enjoyment for, for training with weights came back again. And, um, you know, I, I, owe, I owe a lot of my, my, my drive and passion to this industry, to, to, you know, employing this guy as a strength coach in my early days. Mm. And, and so were you using um, kind of like the model where it's RPE based off a of perceived effort or was it a percentage of one rep maxes or how did you guys kind of divide these? None of that. And actually when I first started, I thought it was, it was really, really advanced. But to be honest with you, when I look back at what we were doing, uh, it was not advanced at all. We just picked the numbers that I could do at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we worked on just putting the extra, you know, 5% or whatever the percentage increase was each week. We just made sure that we hit the weights and it was kind of, Back then, it was a, you know, a little bit of a no pain, no gain mentality. You know, go hard or go home. And uh, you know, we 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 brought it to the gym sessions every time, and and it worked. You know, for for a period. 
but um, it's yeah, like I said, you know, the, the RPEs and stuff like that. I've never heard of it. Mm. Um, you know, we do a lot of. I don't. I don't really do a huge amount of RPE per se. Like I won't write down that I'm after a seven or an eight or whatever it is RPE on my programs. But I, I definitely um, train myself and my athletes to leave a lot of repetitions in the tank. Uh, for the next session, you know, we don't have the no pain, no gain mentality anymore. You know, uh, mm-hmm. if something hurts, uh, we stop. You know, I, I, I wrap my athletes in cotton, so to speak. And, uh, you know, my, my highest priority is, is safety of the athlete, safety of myself. Um, something that sounds a little bit odd that I say a lot of is, is I hate lifting heavy weights. <laughs> so I try and find ways of making the weight feel light. And, uh, you know, so as I've, I don't believe that I'm old, I'm 36 years old, but I'm definitely older than when I first started. And my body's a little bit less forgiving um, now than, than when I first started. So like I said, you know, when I started with this guy, it was just kind of, we just brought it every session and it worked. Um, you know, I was young and I was just able to do it. And I believe a lot of that was due to um, uh, something that I see a lot of these days is a lot of people aren't even close to their lifting potential yet. And that's why people, they don't know why, but they are getting away with it because they're just not lifting heavy enough. Yeah. You know, so, so um, you know, back then it worked because I was nowhere near my, my lifting potential. You know, I was literally lifting half the weight that, I was, that I'm lifting now. Um, you know, my, my best squat was, um, I don't know how you guys say it, uh, 400 pounds, I'd say. Four yeah. plates aside, is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah so, when, you know, when I achieved that, I thought I was, I was pretty damn special. Um, you know, and so I thought uh, from that moment when I could squat uh, four plates, I, I wanted to enter a powerlifting competition because I thought I'd do well. And then very quickly I saw what the actual good guys in my country were doing. And, uh, you know, it was a big eye opener because these guys were squatting, uh, you know, 600 pounds. And, uh, you know, at, at my weight class. And that's when I realized how good I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but, but to be honest with you, that was a big kick up the butt because it made me uh, very, very, very quickly increase my strengths because my ceilings had changed. You know, the gym that I was working at, the gym that I was training at, I was the strongest in my gym. It was just a, it was just a commercial gym. Um, and so I had nothing to uh, gauge my strength of. And I just, I thought I was good enough. And, uh, you know, it was thanks to social media and thanks to, uh, you know, the internet and the, the available information uh, basically not just how to get there, but just knowing what's possible, mm. um, that, that it just changed my ceiling and it changed my perception on what good was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is, I, I totally understand how, what you're saying where it's almost like when you're training, um, if the weight starts getting grindy, you know, things start getting, like, you know, we're not talking one-offs here, but if it, like, over a period of time, you start seeing a progressive, the bar is starting to slow. You know, every, every kind of, okay, maybe a bad, bad days happen, whatever. You come in the next day and then the next day, and it's like, hey, this, this isn't turning around. That's when you know, and, and like, you know, it's not helping now. At this point, it's not helping. Exactly, right? exactly. So I'm not huge on grinding. I'm not huge on, that's what, that's what I talk about when I say, I don't like lifting heavy weights. And that's what I mean. It's not the number on the bar. It's, it's that feeling, you know, when you're grinding weights, uh, you know, and you're slaving away under the barbell, uh, I don't believe that's a very effective way of training. And, uh, you know, working with now I've got um, I'm in a really good position at the moment where I'm, I'm friends with a lot of the strongest guys on the planet. 
you know, and I'm, I'm rubbing shoulders with some of the best coaches in the world. And it's a really, really nice position to be in because, you know, this is at the level where we're able to exchange knowledge and, and you know, see and compare how we're, we're training and what works. And, and that's something in common with all the best guys in the world. No one really pushes that hard because pushing that hard isn't, it's not how you get strong, you know, it's how you risk injury. Uh, it's how you increase your levels of fatigue. Mm. Um, you know, to be honest with you, there is a time and place for it. You know, every now and then you will see me missing reps and you will see me grinding out on a rep or two. But, you know, it, that's probably one or two percent of my training is, is working at that level. Whereas uh, back in the day, um, you know, when I first started, uh, you know, my pursuit to strength, that's how I trained. It's like, yeah, strength training is about lifting heavy weights and that's what we're here for. And, and that's how I trained. Every session was a grind. And it sucked. <laughs> yeah. It sucked. Yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Uh, I remember those days too where like before, I think social media really helped. Um, even like uh, approaching an individual like yourself, social media helps people know, oh, there's a guy out there, Sebastian, in Australia, and people can approach you before. You just knew like the guy in your gym and, or the guy yeah. in your hometown. And he might yeah. not know. I mean, he's maybe reading a magazine or whatever. So you just think exactly like you said, you're grinding out heavy weights and you very quickly plateau. So when you started strength training and started gaining this knowledge um, and you're working with these martial artists and they started gaining the strength, when did you start making that jump in terms of your knowledge and take it to the next level and start really, start people start recruiting in terms of like these big athletes that you've got now? Yeah, so I, I guess it, it was a little bit of uh, right place at the right time as well. There was not many people, it was kind of the, uh, introduction of social media and strength coaches slash strength athletes in Australia. There was not many of those guys going around. And I was kind of one of the first that was kind of promoting themselves as someone that was lifting well and that was training good guys. Uh, so at the time, I was kind of the only guy in my area that was doing it. And so it attracted a lot of the other great athletes to come my way as well. So, you know, I don't want to say it's luck because I definitely worked hard to, to get to where I am. Um, but, but, you know, the timing was, was very relevant to, to my success today. I, yeah, as I said, I was pretty much the only guy in the area that was doing it. So that's where everyone came to, you know, I was just known and, and, uh, you know, by that, by knowing people, um, you know, my, my resume just got better and better. Mm, yeah. And how would guys like, for instance, um, obviously like half Thor Bjornsson way over in Iceland, and you're way over in Australia. So how did you end up meeting Hathor Bjornsson, of all people? Yeah, so that was that was right place at the right time as well, obviously. Uh, that was in Australia. And um, I don't know if you've heard of the company SodaStream. Yeah, uh, you have? They, I have, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they, they, they're one of his, uh, you know, they, they get some pretty cool commercials. He, he walks around with a big uh, big plastic bottle walking around yeah, uh, through the walls. Yes. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really cool commercial. They're really comical, really funny. And um, they contacted, actually, my wife, of all people. My wife and uh, her sister have very um, uh, influential women's only personal training business. They, their uh, business is called Base Body Babes. And they've got, uh, you know, 600,000 followers through Instagram. Uh, you know, lots on Facebook. And, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're quite popular in Australia. They're very, as I said, very influential in the female fitness industry. And SodaStream wanted to do a campaign in Australia where they invited Half Thor out uh, to run a seminar in front of a bunch of um, 
uh, influential um, you know, industry leaders uh, in, in Australia. And so they contacted my wife. They basically, the way that they did it was they contacted a bunch of guys with big profiles on social media to run a day, to run a workout with Thor, where they would all take photographs and they'd all post it and share it on their social media accounts and tag SodaStream. Yeah. So that's how, that's how SodaStream was going to gain from this event. And, um, you know, as I was training, um, it's a funny, it's a funny environment that we have in my gym here. So I work, I track a big part of my work is my own training. You know, my own marketing is my own training and, and, and just training athletes. That's, yeah. it's a pretty cool yeah. thing, but that's pretty much my day. I just, I just get strong and I get people strong. And, um, that's what I was doing. I was training myself. So I was having a bench press session and uh, the girls, my wife and her sister, they kind of know not to bother me with work stuff when I'm training. And uh, <laughs> oh they, came, they came and interrupted my bench press session. And so I knew it must have been important. And they said, you know, we just got this invite from SodaStream to have a session with Hathor. And I them, <laughs> you I you were them, about to get mad. You're like, yo, babe, what the shit? And then, what the shit? <laughs> she's like, hang yeah, on a minute. Like that. She's something like, hang like on a minute. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, okay. I justify it. Yeah, I think I'll finish right, out yeah. later. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I said to them, I said to them, you've got to get me in that room. You know, I want to meet Hafthor. I want to train with Hafthor. That's sick. You know. Yeah. Anyhow, so about half an hour later, you know, these girls are fantastic businesswomen. My wife and her sister, they run an amazing business. They know how to negotiate with people. They're, they're very intelligent women. And, uh, you know, half an hour later, I, I leave everything, all the negotiating, all the business deals, everything, uh, you know, that's in these girls' capable hands, you know. Damn. Half an hour later, half an hour later, they came back to me and they said, okay, cool, we've got you in. And uh, they're going to contact you also about running the event. What? Yeah, talk about a turnaround, you know. Oh, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, exactly. That was my reaction. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I'm running the event. And they said, yeah, they need a coach to help run the seminar with uh, with Hafthor. And you've basically got to – there was a little bit of uh, language barriers. You know, Hafthor is Icelandic. Yeah. He does speak very well. His English is very, very well, very good. But uh, he, he um, you know, he, I don't know how um, confident – or comfortable he was running an entire seminar. Yeah. So they wanted someone to lead the way and for him to just be like the circus freak and do some heavy lifts and, and you know, entertain the crowd. And uh, so anyway, so they basically gave them my resume. They told them what I do and I'm an educator and I'm a public speaker and, and uh, you know, we own a gym and it's a pretty cool gym as well. We've got all the, uh, you know, if someone like Hathor walks into my gym, you know, it speaks his language. We've got all the professional gear. It's all Alico barbell, all calibrated plates. Everything's uh, what you'd see in a competition or the Olympics, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so it's a very easy sell to these people. And apparently, um, you know, when, when SodaStream had approached a bunch of other coaches to run the event, uh, they were too intimidated because they, they didn't believe that they had what it took uh, to showcase Thor uh, in a way that he needed to be showcased. And so, you know, when I got the opportunity... They passed you know, I, it up? Yeah, who, oh, of course I could. Who would pass my it God. This is where... The, you know what they say in life? You know, when something comes around, I think it was an Elon Musk quote, and he said, if you think it's too big, accept it and figure out after the fact. Be like, I'm your guy, and then out, close the door and be like, what the fuck am I going to do? Why I don't know, I but I'll figure it out. Just do it. That's, figure it out. Yeah. Right? I think I think that's actually Richard Branson from Virgin. You know what? Uh, yes, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. If you don't know how to do something, say yes and learn to do it later. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much that's pretty much uh, you know rules that I run by. But in this instance, I did know what to do. Yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah, how yeah. to train someone like Thor. Apparently. Uh, but these guys, these guys, they did miss out on a lot of opportunities. But at the same time, the only opportunity that these guys would have had, because they weren't strength coaches or anything like that, they ran gyms, but, but the people that they went to were social media influencers, but not necessarily experienced strength athletes or, or strength coaches. So if they did run the event with Half Thor, um, you know, what, what happened with me during the event with me and Half Thor probably wouldn't have happened with them. So basically during the event, um, you know, Hafthor was very impressed by, by how the day ran. He obviously knew that I had some kind of knowledge. You know, I basically showcased him. I, I, I pulled him up on stage and, and you know, we, teach, we taught everyone how to do a bench press and a deadlift and a squat. And, and the techniques that I, that I demonstrated, I was able to get Thor a PB on a bench press. He's oh, just on a bench press. right there on the spot, yeah, eh? Right, right there on the spot. So this, is, this was kind of the selling point. So basically... You know, I was kind of showcasing, uh, uh, you know, the bench press. And I, I said to everyone, I said, Hafthor, what's your best bench press? And he said, um, 230 kilograms, which is 507 pounds. And I said, okay, guys, that's five plates and one of these little pieces of change on the side. Hands up in the room, who can do this? And obviously there was no hands up, you know. Everyone yeah, was like, no, wow, <laughs> wow. And then my wife called out from the stage and she said, you can. Oh, oh damn. And, and, your wife yeah, is good. Like, Dude, your wife I'm is like, good, man. Holy <laughs> shit. She is on point. She's a ringer. She's working the crowd. Like, holy shit. She is good. She is yeah. good. And, uh, but, but, you know, I was a little bit embarrassed. I didn't mean to do that to Hafthor, you know. Like, I know that he's not a bench presser. Uh, if he did try the bench press, which he does now, uh, yeah. he's a lot stronger than that, you know. But it's just because he, it's not an event that he trains for, you know. Yeah. But still... Still, I, when she said that, I looked at him from the side and I could see he, he turned his head like this and he's looking at me. Yeah, yeah. Is this your thought, show okay. now? You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, I'm not even trying to play with you, man. That was, I did not tell him to say that. Right, yeah. <laughs> right exactly. And, um, you know, so after that, he, um, you know, he, he put up his hand like he was one of the students and he said, Sebastian, do you mind if I try this technique out? And I was like, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came, you know, on the spot. He bench pressed 240 kilograms. Ooh. He got he, he he did 235. So it was basically a five kilogram PB, and he, he was able to get two reps of it. Um, you know, so basically he's like, okay, all right, this shit works. Um, and uh, you know, that night we all went up. This was again, thank you to my wife and her sister. They called him up. They called up their agency, and they said, you know, let's go out for dinner with Hafthor. So we took them out, um, you know, for a nice steak. Uh, in Sydney, and uh, yeah, he asked me if I could, if I was willing to travel for him and to be his coach. Holy oh, shit! Wow. So you're exactly. like choking on your food, <laughs> big time, Ooh. absolutely big time. You know, and at first I thought, how do I play this? Do I have to play yeah. it cool or what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you gotta be like, let me get back shit. to you, or or exactly. your your wife is killed. What do you close the deal? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I've just gone. I just thought, fuck this, you know, I'm, I'm a very honest, very transparent guy. And I said to Thor, listen, I'm not going to fucking lie to you now. This is the best opportunity of my life. Um, and I'm now, I, like, you are the man. And, and the answer is yes, I'm going to do whatever the fuck it takes yeah. uh, to be a coach, man, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that was it. And basically, so after that, um, you know, he, he organized for me to come over to, 
to Manchester, and uh, that was 2016. That was the first event that I that I coached him for. Manchester, uh, Europe's strongest man, and then we we went. Uh, I went and lived with him in, in Iceland. Travelled to Botswana for World's Strongest Man 2016, um, and then we did the same thing for the following year, uh, where he came second in 2016, second in 2017, and then last year was the year he just couldn't yeah, be beaten. Well, sorry, this year was the year. I'm sorry, it's 2018. Yeah. yeah. Uh, first place in the Arnold's, first place Europe's strongest man, first place world's strongest man, and uh, you know we're, it's it's a very fortunate position to be in because you know these are my holidays. I take my wife and I, I've got a daughter as well, which a lot of people don't know about. But uh, I take my wife and daughter and we go for a six-week holiday. You know, uh, to to uh, the other side of the world, and my daughter gets to experience other languages, you know, other cultures. Um, you know, which she, 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 we had to take her out of school this time, uh, but I believe that the experience far outweighs what she's going to learn. Oh, in, oh, you know, the dude, 100%. Oh, dude, if my dad, holy shit, God bless yeah. him, if this is an opportunity, but yeah, dad, fucking take me. What are you yeah. crazy? <laughs> what are you crazy? Of course, they, but she doesn't, she doesn't really know it yet. She does, she's eight years old, so she kind of, yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, whatever, uh, whatever you know. I kind what of a crazy, like, oh, what a crazy child. She's growing up with the world's strongest man. She's eight. No, when you look back at that, that's she's phenomenal. Gonna, when she's older, when she actually looks, when she actually, like, when she's older, be like, holy shit. She, she talks to other kids. They talk about giants and the world's strongest man. She's like, oh, you haven't met her? No, I met the dude in those comic books. It's hilarious how, how it goes. Last uh, Two weeks ago, she had a running carnival, uh, her athletics carnival, and I went there, you know, we supported my daughter with everything, you know, especially when it comes to sport. That's our thing. So, you know, my wife and I, we went there for the day, and we're hanging out with their friends, and, you know, I'm not going to lie, I am muscular, and it does, it, like, I'm, I'm a 242 pounds um, do you guys speak kilos or pounds? Uh, we do we both. both. Yeah. yeah. But when it, it's so, weird. When we do height, we say inches and feet. When we do body weight for people, we say pounds. But we also are powerlifters, so we know yeah. our weight classes and shit. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess I'm the same. Being a powerlifter, you know the conversions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you know, I'm five eleven, uh, but I'm 110 kilos or 242. And, uh, you know, next to a lot of the other dads, you can kind of tell that I train at, I would, at least, you know? I would assume so. so yeah. I would assume and, so, and, yeah. And so, so these kids, they came up to me when I'm with my daughter and they say, excuse me, are you the strongest man in the world? You should see my daughter. She goes, oh. no. <laughs> Thor is the mountain. Like, this. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like you're, you're like easy, it's easy, true. honey, easy. Let me, let me, let me have a minute. Let me have exactly. a minute. For, 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 <laughs> can, I, can I just get thirty seconds here? Because uh, for you, know, for the kid, for a moment, I'll bench them. Right. Yeah. yeah, you can see. You go, hey, I will bench them one yeah. day, though. Hey, for a minute, for a minute, that was the last time ever. That's the last time. That last time. It doesn't minute. matter. It still holds. It still exactly. holds. Exactly. That's man. right. That's so right. how was, when you went to live in Iceland, from Australia to Iceland, it feels like there yeah. couldn't be much different. I mean, Iceland is, uh, I don't know what time it was. I know certain parts, um, isn't it dark, super long, and yeah, it's so cold. For me, we didn't get too much of that. It was uh, longer nights, so... We kind of came as it was approaching their summer, uh, and then and then when it hits their summer, it's it's daylight the whole day. Like you oh. get not much not yeah. much night time. So so that's the time of the years that we've been over there. So we haven't seen too much of the dark that, that they're kind of known for. 
But um, you know, if you if you have a look at our lifestyle in Australia, we we run a gym, we come to the gym every day. We drive my daughter to the to her school, and then my wife and I we work together. And uh, you know, we're we're here all day. That's we, we run it. We have a cafe. We have online businesses. We have a lot of um, you know, my my wife does a lot of media events for a lot of uh, you know uh, professional companies. And we do everything from here. And then when we moved over to Iceland, there was no change of lifestyle. We lived with Thor. We went from Thor's place to his gym where he treated us like it was our gym. And, you know, we're very close friends with his whole family now and all of the other coaches and and great athletes over there on his team. And they treat me, uh, you know, like it's my own. And uh, so to be be honest with you, apart from the temperature, there's zero change of lifestyle for me. We don't even do any of the touristy things over there. We've never seen, you know, a lot of people that say, did you go to the Blue Lagoon? We haven't gone to the Blue Lagoon. We haven't done any of that stuff. We, we basically live exactly how we live here, and it's, it's no different. It's, so. like, it's, man, this is like a reality TV show you could have had, living with the world's strongest man. No, you no, know, no, and like, no. it's, it's so crazy that this happened in yeah. your life. All because that one company brought in this, hey, this is a good marketing opportunity. Well, I mean, Boom, your life changes. You know, perfect timing. That absolute life change. Absolute life change. Like, I, to be honest with you, my, my business was going very well. We we do have, you know, we work a lot. We work very hard, and and uh, you know, it's a great combination. It's a great synergy that I have with my wife. Um, but uh, you know, we we I trained a lot of the the strongest athletes in Australia for multiple different sports: uh, rugby, MMA, powerlifting, uh, weightlifting, CrossFit, uh, track and field. Uh, but but yeah, obviously no one at the level of Hafthor. Hafthor's number one, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the um, thing. Like, if you're talking like <laughs> strength coaches and you're like, yeah. oh, what clients do you have? Boom, yeah. that's it. Like, it's not even a discussion. Like, well, how about the strongest man in the world? You know, he's like, all right, all right. You, no, you don't need much else on your resume at that point. Especially when it went from number two to number one underneath yeah. your rank. Underneath you, not only yeah. that, yeah. underneath you, um, Arnold's and well here's another thing okay so I, I, I do want to talk about Iceland but we'll get to that in one second but what's crazy is everyone knows um, like we remember like uh, Marius Pudzianowski who would win the world's strongest but he wouldn't do well in Arnold Classic because Arnold Classic unlike world's strongest world's strongest was devised big show pulling airplanes dragging them like uh, lifting carries and loading and stuff because it's very theatrical it's a good show but the Arnold Classic, Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, I just want pure brute strength. You know, not even just more athletic type movements, pure brute strength. Where you would have a guy like Marius Putzanowski, he would kill it when it comes to strength with athleticism. But when it came to the brute strength stuff, he was falling, right? And initially, yeah. Half Thor, that's, that's where he fell behind him, like Eddie Halls, Adrunas and them. Um, he was like athletically strong, but just the brute strength. And then, so he wasn't ranking as high in the Arnold. And then the last few years, you know, you've you seen him moving up those ranks. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy shit, his deadlift, his, like, all this pressing. Like, he was oh, right up there yeah. with these dudes who yeah. you, who you yeah. would have thought, like, that's just not his bread and butter. And now yeah. he's like, so that's where people, you know, you can't skim over that. If people don't understand Strongman, that's why um, when Zadrunas Venus won World Strongest Man, and the Arnold, it was a big deal. You know, people yeah. who were in the sport knew what that meant. That was it. Yeah. You were the fucking man. Yeah. So for a half Thor to win Arnold's, Worlds, and Europeans, like that's like, that's a huge year. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, you know, even with, with Pudranovsky, exactly what you're saying, his athleticism, his ability to do all of those events was, was second to none. But, you know, there was a bit of a division with the strongman federations, which only I've just recently learnt about. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where, you know, it's arguable that if, if, you know, a lot of the times when he was winning it, he wasn't up against Zydrunas Zaviskas. Yeah, I think and, only once. And, I think yeah. only once. Yeah, and he won it five times. Yeah, so, so, you know, they do say that, uh, you know, it's, it's a marketing thing. The world's strongest man, that's the title that they all want because that's how the world perceives who the world's strongest man is because that's what the title is. But yeah, yeah. When, when, when you're in the scene, a lot of people will refer to the Arnolds as the event where the, the, the strongest guy actually wins the Arnolds. Yeah. Because it, it is about brute force. It is about the heaviest weights. But... But when you win them both, um, you know, there's no debate anymore. But actually, there's a new debate that's come up. And that new debate is that um, Thor, if he wants to be known as the best, which I still think he is, uh, he has to go and uh, win, win a powerlifting uh, uh, really? uh, world record. Who said that? Probably a powerlifting meat director. She's hoping to God. She's hoping to God. He's like, you know what they say, Sebastian. It's like, no, nobody yeah. fucking says that, dude. Please and for the last time, <laughs> for the last you, time, stop emailing me. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. not the strongest. You, have hit, you have hit the nail on the head. <laughs> yeah. You have hit the nail on the head. It was a, a powerlifting meet director. Of course it was. Of course it was. As, as come. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the big powerlifting show uh, that he was given the invite to was, the, was uh, it's called Big Dogs in Australia. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. You've obviously heard of it. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so, so he was invited uh, to come along, and, and actually he, he declined the offer because he was given an invite to, to compete in Dubai. There's mm. another competition, uh, you know, that he accepted uh, at the start of the year. So he wasn't able to accept this event for the powerlifting, but it's definitely on Thor's, um, you know, bucket list is to to get the world record in the powerlifting. A competition as well up against the best powerlifters on the planet and and a lot of people discredit him because they say that strongmen you know they lack the grip or whatever it is or they don't do bench press or you know a lot of people a lot of powerlifters and i'm a powerlifter myself and i love the sport and powerlifters they're elitists you know oh yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah it's it's very different to strongmen you know like I, i've i've coached at the highest level in powerlifting competitions and I've coached at the highest level in strongman competitions. And the difference between the professionalism and the, the organization, uh, the powerlifting is called out a 10 out of 10. Uh, strongman, it's just whatever the fuck happens, uh, you've got to be ready. So I've seen people warming up for a squat event where they need to be squatting, uh, uh, what's 317 kilograms? Is that like, uh, like 800 and some odd? Yeah, so they have to squat 700 for reps, and I've seen people actually the you know the best was in in Canada. You guys are from Canada, is that That's right? That's right. Yeah. So, so the Arnold's over there. It's at a place called Warwick. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's um yeah it was all it was all outdoors, and, and these guys were really strict with the rules, and and when they say go, you guys have to go. There was no mucking around, and you know when it came time to to squatting, they had the first lifter. Uh, actually, um, what's his name? Rob Kearney. Have you heard of Rob Kearney, World's Strongest Gay? I'm not sure. World's Strongest Gay? 
Yeah, that's his, that's his <laughs> social media channel. That's, that's not the one that's in any way. That's, is, that's, 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 that, is that a title you can win? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a self-proclaimed title. But, uh, self-proclaimed, that's right. That's, I haven't uh, seen that pay-per-view yet, but I'm interested. Like I'm interested. <laughs> so, but he, he's actually a good guy and he's really strong. He actually owned uh, a few of the lighter white uh, log press records. So he owned the... Uh, under 105 kilos. So what's that? 230 something. Yeah, I what? think it's 231 pounds. That's what it is. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's the weight class of the, the kind of the middleweight strongman. Yeah. He, he owned a few of the world records. Still does the log press. And um, anyway, so so when it was time to come in and squat, he got time to do one warm up set. Oh shit! Uh, and I think that was like that was like 100 kilograms. And then it's like, okay, you're on. <laughs> so he had to go from 100 kilograms to 320 kilograms. Uh, you know, and, and I think he only did, he did like three reps of it, which is still like. That's crazy. Still considering insane, considering yeah. he only did, he only, he didn't even warm up for it. But yeah. that's the difference between, that's, that's kind of one way of explaining how the, the strongman competitions are. It's kind of, it, it's, it's, it's a show, you know, especially the world's strongest man. It's a TV show. Uh, and, you know, they, they'll change the rules on the fly. Uh, you know, when, when they want to change, you know, the, the surface of the floor, the athletes don't know about it. You know, the handles of some of the apparatus, the athletes don't know about it up until, uh, you know, once it's decided on the day. Uh, very different to powerlifters. Anyway, so Whoa. long story short. You know, yeah, the, you got to be flexible. You got to, you just got to, you got to be flexible to change on the spot and just go with it. Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's my hats off to the strongman athletes. They are just brutally strong. They're ready for anything. They don't complain about a thing. They just get out there and they do their thing. Whereas the powerlifters, it's it's organized because it can be. And to be honest with you, at that level, I believe it should be. You know, um, yeah. you know they know what bar they're using. They know how long they have between between um, events. They know they know what the day's got to involve. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so the powerlifters, you know, they're very they love the sport, and as as do I. I love powerlifting, but uh, you know, they want to see. They want to see a powerlifter. They want to be able to call the best powerlifter in the world the strongest man in the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, it, you know, I was always thinking whether or not some of these strong men start coming over to powerlifting because for a long time there was no monetary gain. And um, yeah. in terms of titles, for the sake of titles, I mean, strong men I think was a much more popular sport. It's on TV, etc., because it's a show. It's an actual TV show. So, I mean, if it's not for money, the title, World's Strongest Man, is the Strong Man. So, it's not for the title. It's kind of like, why? But now, powerlifting is gaining a lot of steam. Like, we have powerlifters who have, like, hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, and now there's money. Like, the U.S. Open, you win the U.S. Open, there's a 40000 U.S. Yeah. check. Here you go. Like, uh, yeah. so, it, I was wondering, when would somebody, like a half-door, be like, well, for forty thousand, yeah, I might stop by. You know, squat on the free list. You know, so de- definitely. So that was um, that was pretty much the topic of conversation, and they did actually the, the meet director in Australia. Uh, someone anon- anonymously put up an extra twenty five thousand dollars in addition to the uh, the first place prize. So I think the first place prize is around twenty thousand. And um, yeah, so so it would if Hafthor won, they offered. Uh, you know, it would have been about forty thousand dollars, which is definitely appealing to Hafthor. Yeah. But, yeah. but as I said, a he'd already accepted an invitation to the strongman competition in Dubai. Yeah. Um, but 
he's done many competitions. So he's he's competed in the Arnold's. He's competed in World's Strongest Man, where you only win money if you come first, second, or third. Yeah, uh, sorry, at the Arnold's they do they do give you money for it's 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 a token gift. Yeah, it's, it's not the same. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not worth saying you won money. Yeah. Um, but but he was a you know entering. He's been in, in world strongest man for nine years. Yeah. And it's it's you know he only just came first this year. But the first few years he wasn't winning any money from it. So a lot of people will say he's only doing it for the money. Look, if you can get paid, you're silly to say no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hundred um, percent. You know, he, he he will eventually. If he can get paid forty thousand, if someone does want to put up forty thousand, and I believe that through sponsorships and and let's just say he did get all the world records, uh, I think in the long run he will get paid. It will be a bigger day, payday than forty thousand dollars. But that's not what he would do it for. He would definitely do it for the glory of owning all of the titles. It would be undisputed the strongest man on the planet, you know. Yeah. Uh, powerlifting and and uh, strongman titles, it, it can't be beaten, and that's his goal definitely. Um, and like I said, if someone's willing to pay him more for it, he's not going to say no. That's just silly. But he, he will do it for the title. He will do it for the title. You know, we were just talking about, uh, before we came on on our intro here, how how well Hathor has made something out of this. Like, in terms of, you, you know what, preparation, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. You know, we yeah. talked about that, how you said, like, opportunity came, but you were prepped. All these other people, they didn't have the knowledge you had. They didn't have the confidence. They didn't have like, that's what luck is. And half the world, even half the world, the same thing. Uh, Game of Thrones comes around and he goes, yeah, I'll take that deal. He becomes the mountain and he doesn't stop there. You know, he gets himself an agent, works on his English. And now he's doing these sponsorships. He's showing up in like the kickboxer movie and he's yeah. doing these roles wherever he could fit in. Doing commercials for Soda Stream, apparently. Doing commercials. <laughs> and yeah. like, he's exactly that where you guys are like-minded in terms of that, right? So it's absolutely yeah. that that case where if a powerlifting comp, uh, meet wants to come around and wants them, you don't just do it for nothing or whatever. It's like you guys get your ducks in a row because that's what everybody's got to do when you come to the table. Yeah. You know, be prepared. Yeah, and he will be prepared, and that's the thing. He won't just say, "Yeah, okay, I'm ready for a competition." I'll, you know, the the invitation was given to him, you know, with I think it was 12 weeks' notice. Which, to be honest with you, you think the 12 weeks is a good amount of time, but he respects the competitors. He's up against Andre Milanichev. He's yeah. up against Eric Lillibridge. He's up against the best guys in the world, and he absolutely respects them. He's not going to come in and try and just do okay. Yeah. He knows what he has to pick, and he knows that 12 weeks isn't enough for him either. Mm-hmm. And he's going to respect the competition. He's going to respect the sport. And when he's ready to do it, which will be very soon, hopefully, uh, you know, I have my fingers crossed because it's my favorite sport. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want him to do it right away. I, I wish he accepted the, the competition, but not under those circumstances. Um, but, you know, he, he's going to be prepared for it. And when he's prepared for it, I don't know why people are doubting him. He's, a, he's the strongest man in the world. Man, this would be the craziest stream in the This would freaking, be amazing. It would be so big for powerlifting. And that's probably what would get you excited too as a powerlifter. Like this would be huge Absolutely. for us. You know, everybody's going to, they'd have to have that stream up. They got to have like commentators, all the different views. They got to bring Even if you're someone like an Eric Lillybridge, like you lose to the mountain. You can't, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. You can't be too upset about like, losing to Hathor at the end of the day. The amount of I, think, I agree. I agree. Like, if someone's going to take your record, that's not a bad person that's to all. take it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and if you think, like, for uh, Literally Bridge or, or whoever, um, 
how many eyeballs are going to watch just because well, he's there? And that's the other thing. It's the amount of exposure they're getting just by having him there. Whatever it's, happens with you, you know, like, you, you, you're you lifting regardless. You're going to be there. So let's say there's, you know, a couple hundred people watching the stream. All of a sudden, Half Thor jumps in. There's a couple hundred thousand people. It doesn't matter. Now you're on everybody's radar. All, all ships yeah. rise to the high tide. Definitely, it would be... Phenomenal for the sport, and I believe that these these meat directors understand that as well. They're very you know intelligent with their own marketing and what they have done for the sport as well. So so in particular, uh, Big Dogs has done a lot of great for, yeah. for the sport of powerlifting. Yeah. Uh, you know the show that show is going to be October 14 uh, in Melbourne in Australia, and it's going to have the best of the best powerlifters who has ever walked the planet. And it would have been exactly what you're saying. You know Eric walks out. Milanichev walks out, Hathor walks out. You know, these are some pretty pretty big names. And, yeah. and it's entertaining for anyone to see. That people would start tuning in that aren't into powerlifting. Yeah. Because they you know, they're Game of Thrones uh, followers, you know, and that's that's the beauty of, of what his acting career has done to the sport of strongman. And it's gonna do the same for powerlifting if he if and when he chooses to jump into the powerlifting competition. He really has, um, you know, you, like, like you said, what it's done for the sport of strongman. I remember I had guys at my work who knew nothing about strongman, and they put out press releases. Once he signed on to be the, the mountain of Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones HBO put out press releases being almost like, because there was two other actors who had played the mountain on Game of Thrones previously, and nobody knows who the shit they are. No, and, no. You know, I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're great human beings, okay? But, uh, <laughs> they pay their taxes, okay? But when he signed on, they put out a press release. Guys from my work who know nothing about this kind of stuff are like, did you hear about the new guy playing the mountain? You know, he's one of the world's strongest men. And now that he's won, I'm sure everybody's going to hear about it. So he's really drawn huge attention and has that crossover appeal. Game of Thrones isn't just a TV show. We're not talking... A cameo appearance on Friends. You know what I mean? From the 90s. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Talking, he's, like, he's one of the biggest characters on the biggest show maybe literally, we've ever yeah, seen. Literally the biggest character. Yeah, yeah. Literally. On what we've seen. Um, so it's, it's a huge, it really sparked his career and yeah. for everybody, right? Have you, Definitely. What's it like for you being like, when you're around you, is it like, holy shit at times? Like, do people recognize him? Most. Yes, he's a hard absolutely. guy not to recognize. Him. Yes, right. Even if they don't recognize him, they recognize him. He's a, you know, he's a four hundred plus pound guy. Yeah. Uh, six foot nine. Yeah. And and the way he walks, um, yeah, like I said, even if you don't recognize him, you're yeah. going to stop and look. You know, he's somebody uh, like, what's this guy all about? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how it is when when we're with him. When we go, you know, in Botswana, for example, these guys unnecessarily uh, watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, but, but we'll go to a shopping centre and it's it's quite comical, you know. We'll be sitting in the car and all of a sudden we'll have about, you know, 50 Africans surrounding us. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> to, like, luckily for us, that have always only ever been friendly encounters. Um, but it, it can get scary because, you know, we're in a completely foreign country and we don't know what the shit is going on, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, as, as I said, luckily for us, it's only ever been positive experiences. But, but yeah, wherever, whenever I've been with him, he gets stopped everywhere he goes. He'll be at a dinner table at a really nice restaurant. He'll have a fork in his mouth and he'll have someone stop and say, excuse me, can I please have a photo? Yeah. You know? 
Uh, and the beauty, the beauty of it is he puts a fork down and he says, yes, no problem. He'll no stand up. shit, really? yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the right thing. Uh, and, and I think it's really, really important. And that's that's uh, probably why uh, he has the following that he has. It's, he's so likable. Um, you know, something that I've always said, and it's not related to Hathor, it's related to anybody. You know, it's great to be strong, but no one gives a shit about you if you're a shit person. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, really, because I've seen a lot of people come and go in the industry in my country and Australia uh, that are fantastic lifters, and no one gives a shit if, yeah. if they're not a good person, you know? Once you meet them, it's so yeah. disappointing when, when they end up being assholes. You exactly. Know? You know? And I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of high-level lifters, and I'm not going to mention names, but I've seen a lot of high-level lifters, uh, you know, from around the world that I've seen children come and ask for photographs, and they've said to them, and it's fair. They said to them, "Look, I'm sorry, but no more photographs because I'm I'm getting ready to compete." But I look at it and I look and I think, you know, what that's done to that child. Uh, you know, that that child forever doesn't like that athlete. It's true. That's moment. true. You remember that, man, and you remember yeah. forever when someone does take and a picture with you. Those are the stories that come out as well. No one yeah. remembers yeah. the time that somebody sat around for nine hours taking photos. They remember, yeah. that, they remember, remember that one story where that athlete was an asshole to some poor kid. Nine hours yeah. and one minute. Yeah. And everyone remembers yeah, exactly. that one minute when you exactly. had to pull away. Right? Um, you know, exactly. you're saying, because uh, I know you're a big MMA guy. I'm a huge MMA guy as well. Were you there? It's famous, went viral when he had a sparring match with Conor McGregor and what the shit was that all about? What happened there? Yeah, so, so I, I wasn't there. I, I do know the event. Um, now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you think size does not matter, you are seriously mistaken. Yeah. So the difference between these guys, Thor actually didn't want to hurt Conor. You know, Connor's there for a, um, you know, they're just mucking around. And uh, to be honest with you, Thor is, you know, 400 pounds. What's Connor? He's less than half of that, much less than half oh, of that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's like, like Thor at some points is 120 with abs. Connor, yeah. Connor when he's like not cut is like 170 tops, if that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, it's actually, that was completely just for fun. Uh, it was completely unrealistic fighting situation. You know, obviously Connor wasn't trying to knock him out either. But uh, to be honest with you, uh, yeah, if Thor did something stupid, like I, I've I've sparred professional fighters before, where I've been the dum dum, and I've hurt the professional fighters just because I'm not doing the right thing, like what a professional fighter would do. Like as a boxer, you've got to tuck your elbows in nicely. Uh, you know, and when you spar up against a professional boxer, they're expecting you to know what you're doing. And I've hurt people, uh, professional fighters, just by doing the wrong thing. Yeah, not because, I was, not because I was a great fighter, but because I was doing the wrong thing. My elbows were sticking out like a big gumby, and uh, you know, it's it's dangerous. So it's the same thing with with Thor. He could have definitely hurt Connor. He's a big guy, and and not because he's you know. That's just how it goes. It's it's if they if they went for it seriously, I think Conor would seriously have gotten hurt. You know, really. So you know what the great thing? This is great for Thor because Conor McGregor is like a, a, like like one of the biggest stars in sports, not just combat yeah. sports. He's huge, and he was talking to the press about it. He was like sharing it and talking about it, and he was like yeah. people asked him. I think when he's moving up the when he fought Nate and they're moving up to welterweight, he's like, "Well, you seen what I did with with the mountain." 
Yeah, this is my this is my terrible yeah. Irish accent, by the way. You but, see, yeah. you see, you see what I did with the mountain. It doesn't matter. I could beat like they, and, and now that Thor's the world's strongest man, you know, Connor's probably like, I can beat up the world's strongest man, like you yeah, know. Yeah. And then afterwards, yeah. MMA pages are actually quoting half Thor, saying, "Hey, look at I took it easy on the kid. Like I'm yeah. twice his size, right? We're just messing around." Yeah. But it was exactly. it was it was one of those weird like. Because um, Connor's such an intense dude, and it, yeah. it like Thor looked like all right. I'm gonna try to get him down, and make Connor yeah. slippery. And but Connor, but it was never, it never got crazy. But it looked at times like yeah. they, they were getting competitive with each other. So it was hard yeah, to read. Sure. It was good views, that's for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, definitely. And it, you know, it did its job, which was marketing, and that's what these guys are fantastic at. They both have, you know, and a lot of people are trying to do what Connor does now. If you go to the MMA, uh, oh, the UFC yeah. press conferences, everyone's trying to do his thing, and it doesn't work, you know? No, they man. Don't, they don't have the charisma. You've got to have something that these guys have. You know, Connor's got it, Hafthor's got it, and when it's forced, it's very, very visible. You know? Oh, when yeah, I do, yeah. Trying to put on a character that's just not them, you can see it and it just looks silly. But when these guys do it, you know, it, it served its purpose. It's great for marketing. And, uh, you know, whether or not Connor could beat Thor or Thor could beat Connor, who cares? Yeah. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. It's, you know? is, it's been years and people still share and talk about it. Like it's sure. it, it, 100%. It, I'm so glad it happened for both guys. It would be weird that like, I, I don't do you know how it happened? Like, because all of a sudden, uh, half doors of jeans like it wasn't planned and he's just like yeah. let me take my fucking shirt off and it's like holy smokes yeah. and they're mucking yeah. about you know there's no rules set out are we gonna do this are we gonna we're just gonna feel it out and somebody thank god someone brought their camera up and started filming he's like dude you better video this because this is going yeah. viral right here right absolutely. now right now. absolutely absolutely it's a cool thing yeah you know? um but, but that's the type of guy that i mean Connor, that's what he does. He fights, so I guess he'd be prepared to do any of that stuff wherever he goes. He'd be happy to take his shirt off and, and throw them down, you know? Yeah. But uh, that's the type of guy that Thor is as well. In Iceland, which is where they were, um, I believe, in Iceland, that's all they do. They, they just challenge each other to do stupid things. Uh, you know, he's a big <laughs> kid, actually. He's, he's 29 years old. He's not 30 yet. And he... Um, uh, that's all they do. They just challenge each other to, to you know, eat, eat chili, you know, eat avocado seeds, do something stupid. Who can last longer in the ice bath? Uh, yeah. You know, who can go and fight Conor McGregor? You know, they're, they're ready to do all of these stupid things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he's ready to pull his shirt off and, and do all of those stupid things. That's just what they do, you know? You know what's crazy about Iceland? Um, they have, like, what, 300,000 people live there. And I don't, yeah. know what's, I don't know what's going on about Iceland, but look, if they don't have an army or a navy, and there's a reason why guys like fucking Putin don't want to invade it, all right? Because they got, because listen, listen, only Iceland can be like, now nah, we don't need an army. We don't need, we don't need that shit. We don't and, have giants. And, and, and if someone walked into Putin's office right now and said, we're thinking about invading Iceland, he'd be like, get the fuck out and you're fucking, nobody, nobody, you can send whoever you want, just don't send anybody you want back. Okay, because I don't mess with, because Iceland's got um, CrossFit Games, world champion. Um, they got God knows how many world's strongest men, which statistically should never happen. Their soccer team, their football team, makes the World Cup when the U.S. that's got 350 million can't make it. What the shit is going on in Iceland? Like, how is it, statistically speaking, this should never happen. 
right? It's it's amazing what they do, and it's amazing their their ability. And they had when when I was over there this year, they had National Geographic. They came to do some DNA testing on yes. on Thor yeah. and his family and a few of his training partners just to see if there was something special with their genes. Um, I don't know if it's been released yet, so I'm not allowed to say what happened. But to be honest with you. You know, a lot of people will say that uh, Thor's got some special genes and this is the only reason why he's the, the world's strongest man. But it actually came out that genetically, yeah, he has the size and height different, but he didn't have anything that special about his makeup that, uh, that you'd think, uh, you know, being from Iceland or being the world's strongest man. It was, it was none of that. It was nothing outrageous. Um, but, uh, yeah... It, you know, the whole thing that you're talking about where they don't have an army or any of this stuff, they're, they're actually not a very violent um, uh, nation. A lot of, you know, the crime rates are really low over there. It's incredibly safe. We, when we first went over there, you know, we're from Australia and my wife worries a lot about my daughter's safety, for example. And, you know, we all went for, for a lunch over at the shopping centre and, you know, our friends over there who also have children, uh, while we're eating, they said, you know, they'll let the kids go off and just do what they th- whatever they want to do in the shopping centre. And these kids are eight years old and younger. <laughs> and my daughter, my wife is like, um, there's no supervision and you think that I'm happy to let my child run free. Yeah. And they're laughing at us. They're like, this is Iceland. None of this shit happens in Iceland, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, well, so it's, it's a very safe country. It's a very safe country. Everyone's very friendly and it's crazy. And apparently, you know, and I, this is a topic of discussion. The jails over there are apparently very cruisy, which is why some of the criminals from other countries uh, do stupid things in Iceland because they're not scared to go to jail in Iceland because it's, it's a holiday. But you would be scared to rip off a guy like half the fucking, or or the girl from the crossfit games steal her yeah. purse and run down the fucking street and see if she yeah. can't catch up to you do a double back kick to your back like they're a tough breed they're <laughs> athletically gifted i don't know what it is but yeah you know statistically it shouldn't be the way it is but uh yeah they got something they got something it's funny you know the, I, and I'm, I'm telling you uh, those National Geographic people who came down for the genetic testing, did they have Russian accents? Because it might have been Putin. <laughs> he's, he's trying to build a super army. Okay. Trying to build a new he's, next Olympic team. That's, he's got uh, the next fucking Olympics sewed up. That's right, um, exactly. Um, so um, another person I want to ask you about, Alex Simon, who yep. I remember um, him, I think it might have been either Pro Raw or Big Dogs, I forget which one. And that's when he hit some, he was smashing these Australian records, pulled down the single and his shirt said, strong motherfucker. And he's like, yeah. everybody's like, holy, this dude is a monster. And yeah. the thing with Alex Simon, and you kind of talked about it, and I want to talk about, about uh, your, how your training helps different athletes, not just strength athletes. But a lot of times when you picture big, huge guys like Alex Simon, you think kind of clunky moving um, with their hands, not going to be super athletic and agile. And if you picture him boxing or being an MMA fighter, you might think, you know, a lot of these guys do arm punches or whatever, right? Alex Simon, five KOs, and like he's, it's like he's cutting down trees. And when he hits a heavy bag, like one, two, he's coming in there, like laying down combinations. And I, and I was telling Paul before we came on with you, I don't know who's manager, 
checks out Alex Simon and signs the paper for their fighter to fight him. But God damn it, man, he's the wrong guy to fight. So what's he's the wrong guy to fight? Yeah. He, he last night he just put up a post and that's exactly what my comment was. Uh, he put up a post of him just beating up the bag. And my comment on there was, you know, um, yeah, fuck getting hit by that. <laughs> this guy's not going to turn up. You know, yeah. if you see that, you know, and if you if you know what Alex's record is and you understand what his, you know, capabilities are, you're silly to step in the ring with him. And, you know, like I said before, if you think that size doesn't matter, you're seriously mistaken. And it's not just the size. The athleticism of this guy is unusual. He's... You know, he currently weighs about 150 kilograms. Um, That's yeah, huge. That yeah, yeah, it's like 330 pounds. Yeah, so, but he was 400. Whoa. So, so when he competed at, uh, at Big Dogs, he was 400. So he's cut down to that. And so he's, um, he's a lot smaller than what he was. And, and this is actually the problem. To get into the UFC, uh, I believe it's 260 is the weight class. Yeah, it's, yeah, 265, yeah. Yeah, so, so that's what he's trying to cut to, but wow, he's a, a little bit far off from that at the moment. And in the meantime, yeah, anyone that he fights, you know, they, it's hard for him to get opponents, but the people that do, they kind of, I guess everyone has, a, you know, a sense of belief in themselves uh, and whatever the confidence is, but yeah, like you're saying, these guys have managers as well. And their managers should be looking at it saying, it's, uh, yeah. It's insane to see this guy. Like when I, when you watch him fight, so I was wondering what he would look like. He walks across the ring and he just lights them up. Like the punches come, not just like Hail Marys. I mean, like in combination speed, a big man like that shouldn't have. And they're not arm punches. He gets all of his body weight and the amount of force this man can generate. You know, like that's, and that's something that kind of you were talking about where you think a lot of athletes previously had underestimated what weightlifting can do to, for an athlete in terms of making your nervous system be able to generate force. And some sports just don't, you know, some people from back in the day don't realize like, no, these lifts, lifting can help, you know. It does help. It does help. He is strong. And if you combine the strengths with coordination, which he has, there's no way that strength doesn't help. So if you look at, you know, who are the fastest athletes on the planet, and that's the 100-meter sprinters. And, you know, I won't talk about the current best, which is Usain Bolt. That guy's a freak. Uh, and he's a little bit of an, an anomaly. But uh, guys that were known for their strength feats, guys like, you know, it's, it's appropriate because you guys are from Canada, but Ben Johnson. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. He was known for list, lifting some crazy barbells. Oh, know? yeah. And, we know. And, yeah. You know, forget the history of, of the doping and all of that. That's that's a completely different topic altogether. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that he was the fastest man on the planet and he was lifting some serious weights. And he had a great strength coach who's passed away now. That was Charlie Francis. But uh, he was known for lifting some crazy weights. And if you understand what you're doing with your strength training, it absolutely carries over to power, to speed, and they're huge attributes that are very handy for punching. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and for the people that disagree, go step in the ring with Alex Simon. Yeah. I'm sure he'll change your mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Even guys, like, we're saying, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Mo Farah from Great Britain. He runs, like, he's 115 pounds, and he's multiple gold medalists in the Olympics, multiple, he's probably the greatest, I think it's 10,000 meter, uh, 15,000 meter, they have several different lengths. 
And uh, Mo Farah, anyone who's listening, it's M-O for Mo and Farah, F-A-R-R-A-H. And they asked him, what kind of training you do? He does powerlifting and strength training. He's 115 pounds. And everyone yeah. says, like, are you worried about getting bulky? He's like, it doesn't make you bulky. It doesn't, like, it, it's, like, nervous system-wise, I got to propel myself down the track. I need the force. Yeah. I need to be able to propel myself down there. And obviously, yeah. it's ligaments and bones. You get, you know, they're stronger. So yeah. he, he thinks it helps him. It's a part of his regular training. Even, mm-hmm. um, for instance, like other athletes, in terms of getting tired, people say you'll get tired. But we were talking about before also, like, if you're, if you're if, like, say you're grappling. And you got to grapple another guy who's 250 pounds. For, for a guy like Alex Simon, to move 250 pounds does not even register on his central nervous system. No, that engine, no his engine doesn't budge. 250 pounds no. is a joke for Alex Simon. So he's not, getting, he's not getting tired throwing that guy around. He could do that all day. You give him a 150-pound sack, he's going to throw that shit around for 25 minutes straight easy and go the full five rounds, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, like... Things that people, you know, it's just almost back in the day, they thought all these myths about weightlifting and it's starting to get debunked now. Exactly. And that's all it is. It is a myth. And it's based on, it's like how I was saying where, you know, the, the powerlifting uh, meet coordinators, they don't want to admit that someone like Thor is, is stronger than the best powerlifters because they believe in their sport. It's the same as these traditionalist boxers or traditionalist martial artists who are stuck on the thought that, you know, weight slows you down. You know, you've got... Have you seen the movie um, Once Were Warriors? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a famous quote in there where Jake the Muscle goes and beats up this guy in the pub and he, said, he says to him, too much weight's not enough speed work. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, traditional martial artists love fight scenes like that in the movies. And, you know, that's one of the famous things that'll go around, uh, you know, especially when they see someone who's big and bulky... But here's the fact of it. The way I train people, you know, I'll I'll refer to other disciplines and other sports as well. I train people to get strong, but it's a supplementary exercise. If they're an athlete of a sport like martial arts or rugby or or other team sports, and they think that they're going to stop their sport and take up weightlifting, it's not going to carry over to their sport. They have to do it in conjunction with. They have to do it as a supplementary or as an accessory to their fight training or to their rugby training. And if it's done correctly, it will have an absolute carryover to their speed and their power and, and all the attributes needed on their, in their, their discipline, in their, their playing field. But that's one of the biggest problems is people will stop their martial arts, take up weight training, come back to martial arts. They've slowed down because they haven't done their martial arts and yeah. they'll blame it on the weight training. They've done it incorrectly. You know, where you've got someone like Alex Simon, who's now doing both of them side by side, and he's going to show people, and he's already shown people yeah. uh, the, the benefits of strength. And it's not just Alex Simon. Look at Mike Tyson. Look at the physique of this guy. You know, all of these guys that were strong, that had knockout power, and they had the coordination to match their strength, uh, they're pretty hard to beat. Strength matters. Yeah. yeah. Even, even guys like, for instance, so I read a lot of autobiographies. Um, well, we know John Jones, is, he, got, he hooked up with some powerlifters as well, but even guys like Andre Agassi, who you wouldn't think because he's a tennis player, one of the tennis greats, and he had a strength coach who had him in the gym pumping weights because your body needs to generate force. And it's just, yeah. it's nothing more like, yeah, you can't, like you had said, you don't get away from doing tennis. Like you have to do tons, hitting the ball over and over and over. And, yeah. and in terms of 
optimizing your swing will optimize whatever force you could bring to the table. 100%. So some people purists from either martial arts or tennis purists or whatever sport will be like, spend all your time optimizing your swing. Well, that's okay. That's great. But after 10 years in the game, when this guy's got his shit together, his swing isn't changing. How do you keep optimizing? Put a little exactly. more force behind that swing. Put a little more force exactly. behind these movements. And we know as powerlifters, you don't turn into half Thor. You won't get that bulky. People are worried about getting bulky. It's not gonna happen. You know, no, good, no, you don't no. have those genes. Good luck. You can weight lift your whole life. The amount of muscle mass you're gonna put on can be very minimal. And actually your training could be like, we're not training for muscle mass gain. Don't worry about that. It's not gonna yeah. be a game. You're not gonna wake up. I can't move my body. I'm all weird. I, I don't yeah. recognize myself anymore. Yeah. Like that's not facts. <laughs> you're not. Yeah, and that's yeah, who you, I hate when people say this. Like, who do you think you are that you're going to wake up in that big and that bulky? Yeah, it's not that easy. It, exactly, exactly. And it comes back down to, you know, usually the, the analogy is always given, you know, I want to train weights, but I don't want to look like Arnold. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing that happened with me. I followed his book to a T, and I still didn't look like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? I want my money back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but uh, the thing with strength training, it's not just about you know, as you're saying, generating force behind that swing so that he can continue to progress. There's other things that happen with, with uh, playing your sport, uh, you know, let's just call it tennis or martial arts, is you create a lot of imbalances. And same with powerlifting as well. If you just bench press, squat and deadlift, um, you know, some of the greats do, like I believe that's how Andrei Milanichev trains now, because he has such a base that he can specify. But how do you develop that base? You have to actually have no weak points and a lot of the things with the fighters and the, the um, you know golfers or tennis players they're you know doing you know the same swing over and over and over again they're creating weak points they're creating um, they, they need to strengthen the opposing muscle groups as well which mm -hmm. is what strength training is about and that's what intelligent strength training is about so um, you know something that's also been debunked and that's where a lot of people run into problems with their strength training as a carryover to their sports for example, let's just use boxing. A lot of people, uh, you know, put a heavy dumbbell in their hand and they'll practice punching. Well, that's actually also been debunked. So the best way to, to ruin your movement pattern is to add resistance to it. So, you know, doing these rotation drills or whatever, when you're imitating a punch with weight, you're, you're, you're ruining the motor pattern. So that's not how someone like Alex trains. Alex trains to get his prime movers strong and to get his opposing muscle groups or his ancillary muscles, you know, like the, the supporting muscles of his shoulder joint, so that he doesn't break his shoulder when he punches or, or gets in an arm bar or something like that, uh, so that he's prepared for, for doing the repetitions of the punches on the bag that he's, you know, that he's going to be doing in his training. Mm -hmm. This is intelligent strength training. It's not just about training his prime movers. His prime movers are strong. Yeah. And, and, and now it's just how can he stay in the sport for as long as possible? You know what? Uh, yeah, you, you know, sorry to cut you off. Uh, when you would say, that's 100%. I'm glad you had said that. And that's a good point because Ryan Gregnell, who also does his podcast, he does professional long drive for years. And I love how you said the golf over and over. You got that swing. It's beautiful. It's one motion, but it's from one side over and over. He went to see Cairo. His imbalances were so bad. And they said, like, he needed to start strength training just to even things out. And that's where people back in the day as well, you would, they would develop a lot of imbalances, never address them, and just think, oh, 
30 years old, you retire, that's normal. Yeah. We know yeah. now athletes can go till 40. Back in the 70s, you're 40 years old. What the fuck? You can't be an athlete. Nowadays, somebody's like in their mid-30s, you're hitting your prime. Because we know we have guys like you who work with athletes, even this out, work on the balance. If you don't do it now, you're going to be really mangled later on in life. Absolutely, absolutely. And a big part of it as well, which is another topic as well, is recovery and, and not going too hard. You know, like how I said when I started in, in my pursuit to strength, it was all about no pain, no gain, uh, you know, go hard or go home kind of thing. And now it's not. Now it's about um, knowing how hard to work, but also knowing when to pull back. And that's something that I've had a lot of great success with, especially with my super, super freak human strength athletes, like guys like Hathor, guys like Alex Simon. Yeah. And I've got a few other up-and-coming guys in my team as well who are just freakishly strong. And that's some of the feedback that I've been given from, from these guys who have worked with other coaches. When I've asked the comparison between my method and their method is, is actually my method it involves a lot more recovery. It involves a lot less volume. Um, and it involves a lot more focus on quality of, of the repetition, quality of the session. So, so, you know, like Mike Tyson, a lot of people, upcoming boxers will compare themselves to Mike Tyson. And, and there's, I don't know what the quote is or what exactly he says, but there's videos of him jogging or running in the morning at 5 a.m. because he's, he's up an hour earlier than his opponents because he needs to get, you know, a little bit more training in than his opponents. Yeah. This is, this is now tradition. This is now how people believe is the correct way. And this is where people are running into problems. This yeah, is how people yeah. are, are wearing their bodies out. And that's not intelligent training. And like you're saying, the peak is, is a little bit older now because of that. People have, have uh, gotten a little bit smarter now. Um, you know, and, and luckily, there are guys that are out there. And that's what I love to try and do because I've, I've had a lot of my, my mentors provided a lot of great free information online. Uh, that have helped me come a long way in my, my career as an athlete and as a coach. And that's what I try and give back as well, is a lot of free information. And it, it does exist. There's some, some you know, great uh, athletes and coaches out there that are doing great things, not just for the sport of powerlifting, uh, but if, if you're intelligent enough to understand that strength training can benefit your fighting or your, your tennis or your rugby or whatever, um, you know, it, it'll help you tremendously to know where to look. Yeah. You know, and, and to take advice from these good people. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Uh, I mean, thinking about it in terms of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's, it's, it's amazing how a lot of they're both grappling in terms of wrestling and Jiu Jitsu. Both grappling, wrestlers will hit the weights and be yeah. both. You got guys like fucking Brock Lesnar, for God's sake, who are beasts. But Jiu Jitsu guys come from, it's grappling, but then for some reason, like, you don't lift weights. And it's almost sacrilege to say you lift yeah. weights. And um, yeah. you were saying also in terms of the Mike Tyson waking, I wake up at five because, or sorry, I wake up at four because I know the other guy's waking up at five. Arnold, yeah. And I love Mike Tyson. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, love Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, like I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. But he would brag about how little sleep he gets because he doesn't need yeah. sleep and trains through. But, yeah. uh, you know, Joe Rogan had a guy in a podcast talking about do you know how much sleep is for not just an athlete? They did studies, baseline studies in terms of memory recall, decision making, um, how you deal with things, anxious situations, and then baseline for jumping, running, weightlifting. The difference between eight hours and six hours sleep, it would it would shock yeah. you, man. Like it's yeah. not tough, it's not macho. I worked with um, 
some <laughs> some hockey players in at doing strength training with hockey players, getting to do some weightlifting stuff, working on balances as well. And they would tell me their old school coaches would like if you lose a game, you 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 run, hit the ice until they puke, and you fucking yeah. how bad do you want it? And like you know that yeah. kind of shit, yeah. where it's like you're not getting better. Like what is that uh, doing? Exactly. You're you're frying their nervous system, and then they play yeah. in two games. Like they yeah. would, yeah. you're gonna lose again. Yeah, and that's kind of more old school. Where we, I'm glad for social media uh, because and for and internet, even though there is some shit information, I think. The more and more, for instance, guys like you are around and doing podcasts like this, the more information gets spread. People start finding, you know, quality, yeah. right? They start finding definitely, quality definitely. eventually. Yeah. If you look around, you just got to be patient, though, and look yeah. around and look at somebody's resume. I mean, like, yeah. look at the guys you're working with and be like, okay, he knows what the shit he's talking about. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's the, I think the wheels are turning and things are changing, but uh, it's a lot better than it was in the 90s. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but unfortunately, people still look at the '90s and they still look up to these guys, and it's still going to exist. Um, you know, uh, like all you got to do is actually, if you have the intelligence to sit back and I guess lose your religion, you know, look at guys like Arnold Schwarzenegger, as amazing as he was, compare him to Phil Heath. Yeah. You know, and, and people, whether you like Phil Heath's physique or not, like personally, I would much rather look like Arnold because I don't want to be as muscle bound, but that's not their goal. Their goal is to look like freaks. And Phil Heath is doing a much better job yeah. than what Arnold did because he's got much better um, technology. Yeah. Not just, not just the hormones, but also, uh, you know, his awareness of, of intelligent training uh, and, and, and nutrition and recovery. You know, Arnold bragging that he had less rest than, than the competitors, uh, you know, as full yeah. as it sounds. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like when you have guys like, um, I, like, okay, like The Rock, very inspirational. I love The Rock. Some of his movies, uh, hit and miss, okay. But on his Instagram, he's like rise and grind, 4 a.m., whatever the shit. And I know what you yeah. mean where, like, the, it's good in that sometimes when you feel tired and, and if you come home from work, if that's where you need to go to the gym anyways – Cool. But if yeah. you're a grinder already and your guys yeah. like you like motivation isn't a problem and you're just yeah. looking for in my overtraining or some people like CT Fletcher famous for being like, there's no such thing as overtraining. You fucking pussies. Yeah. Like yeah. I get it. And I love CT and I get jacked up when I listen to CT go smash weights, but I'm smart enough to know. Yes, there is overtraining. And, but some people might not, right? It's, it's, you, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to make a t-shirt to say, don't train too hard, yeah, uh, sleep eight hours, you know, yeah. those t-shirts aren't selling. Train, <laughs> train moderately, train, sleep train not. moderately, it's not, it's, not it's, not exactly. it's not cool, it's not cool, it doesn't sound uh, catchy, uh, that's unfortunate about, you know, pro proper intelligent work, but, but at the same time, it does have an application, and exactly what you're saying, you know, for some people that do lack the motivation, uh, guys like CT and, and, and The Rock and Arnold, telling them to wake up at four and, and get shit done, yeah. uh, they're probably not going to get up at four, but they're probably going to be a little bit more motivated. Yeah, uh, for sure. Do a little bit of something. And that's when it does definitely have its place. Uh, you know, hard work definitely helps, but, but that's not the only ingredient. And if you don't lack the motivation, so if you are at the level, like, uh, you know, the world's greatest that we're talking about, whatever sport you want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, John Jones, uh, Astor, all these guys do not lack motivation. They yeah. are already muscular. They already have all the attributes required to be the best. 
Now it's time to get intelligent. These aren't the guys that need to listen to, to The Rock or Arnold or, you know, uh, about getting the work done. They're getting the work done. Yeah, yeah. and that's when you got to do it intelligently. Even, you know what, I would say even people are showing up at powerlifting meets and they're on program with the coach and they're, and they're doing their thing. They probably already are doing enough already as well to get the best out of them. You don't need to do too much extra shit. More than likely for strength training, I would say. Yeah. What, what would be, as a coach yourself, what would be your advice for someone looking for a coach? Like, do you believe in online coaching and stuff? Or do you think, are you, do you think more hands-on style? Or what, do you, what would you be your advice? I, I definitely get the best results with my hands-on. But I also offer online because uh, there is a need for it. But the online service that I provide, for example, I'm trying to cover all bases. My priority with the success of a program, the highest priority is lifting technique. So, you know, I often get questions like, you know, what do you think of the Texas method five by five? What do you think of the five, three, one? What do you think of uh, Louis' conjugate method? And it's like, if you are doing it with incorrect technique, the program sucks. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So, so your first thing you need to do is not worry about a program. You know, so many people ask me, uh, can you write me out a program? And I think, hang on a second, I'm not going to write you out a program. It's not going to work and you're going to think the program sucks and I'm going to get, you know, bad credit for that. Yeah. So the highest priority is lifting technique. So whatever you do, so whether you get it face-to-face or, or online or whatever, there's, everyone responds well to different things. I need face-to-face contact. Some people, uh, they're quite reserved and they don't like to be around people. They prefer to get shit done at home. Whatever, okay? There's different types of people, that's fine. Lifting technique is the highest priority. If you are doing anything wrong, the program sucks. What I believe to be the second highest priority with your success in your training, with weights and strength development, is load selection. So you've got the, you know, you've got the program. Of course, you need to understand what exercise you're going to be doing, and you've got to understand the correct way to perform the exercise. But then, how heavy are you going to lift? You know, we've got to, you know, access to things like RPE, and now I believe a term that's been thrown around is, is uh, reps in reserve. Uh, but basically, my recommendation with load selection is to start conservative. It's better to go too light than it is to go too heavy. If you go too light, Guess what that means for the following week? It means you get to add weight to the bar. Yeah. If you go too heavy, guess what that means? It means you've increased your risk of injury. You've potentially fried yourself a little bit more and you require a little bit more fatigue, a little bit more recovery. And the following week, what does that mean to your load selection? You can probably reduce the load so you're able to do it or you do the same amount of weight and try and get the reps that you're supposed to get. Either way, that's not a progression and that style of training sucks. So that's all about training morale as well. You need to enjoy what you do. If you are constantly battling and grinding away and you're not adding to the weight every bar, that training sucks, that's not enjoyable, you will not like your training, you will not succeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, so these are the things that you have to take into consideration with the success of your training program. Now, I kind of diverted a little bit from the question that you asked me, which was, what are you looking for in a coach? You know. Like anything, I guess, is, is experience. You know, if you don't know the person, if you don't know the coach, um, you know, and you're just looking online because we do have access to social media, uh, you know, who are they training? Have they gotten results with other people or is it just results with themselves? You know, I'll speak to a lot of high-level athletes and they'll admit to me 
openly that they could not coach someone for shit. Yeah. Uh, they just wouldn't know what to do because they, they, they don't understand. They can lift this object. They don't understand why you can't, you know. <laughs> you know go, go and lift the thing. And, and, and they don't understand a lot of these things because it's just a, a natural talent that they, that they have. But coaching is a different attribute again. So, you know, my recommendation is, is obviously, yeah, look at, look at the, the, the resume. Who are they coaching? Uh, look at the results they're achieving with their athletes. They don't necessarily have to be a high-level athlete themselves. It's helped me uh, become, uh, you know, a decent coach is understanding and to be able to empathize with my athletes, uh, you know, especially, you know, when, when I'm trying to get them to lift the weight that I can lift and they're bigger than me and I can say that to them. This yeah. is why I'm programming for you because this is the numbers you need to hit and that's just what I did yesterday. It's, it's, it's a very powerful tool yeah, uh, you know, um, and you, you need to be able to get along or like your coach as well. And that's something that we have is at our gym. Uh, we've got a great friendship with all of our athletes. And, and the beauty of what we have at the moment is, is my athletes are also my coaches. You know, we're all in a team together and they give me advice and they all stand behind me when I'm lifting. And, and uh, you know, um, it's, it's a team. It's not, it's not um, so much I don't have the ego behind me that you have to come to me, I have to be your coach or any of this. You know? and, and I'll be completely honest with you, a lot of the athletes that I coach these days I don't actually charge money for. Um, we go into business or their profile will do enough um, that, that will carry over to some kind of money-making in the future for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely do get paid. It's, a non, it's not a non-profit organization that I'm running here. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, a, you know, a lot of people listen to this and like, oh, shit, how did I contact yeah. this guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Look, uh, and I don't, like, at the moment, I've got, I've got such a, a, a big team of high-level athletes, I literally don't have, like, a, a lot of the times when people do want to book in for a session or something like that, I do offer that service, and that is, that is like an education session that I offer um, where, where you can actually pay to book me in, but, but usually guys that you see that are my professional athletes that we work with, we're, we're all in the team together, we all train together, we all enjoy training together, we all succeed together, we have a great training environment, um, and, and it's yeah, so it's, it's basically it's a high training morale. Mm. That's a huge importance to your success um, as an athlete is you have to enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know, and getting along with your coach goes a long way. If you don't like your coach... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you're going to un- undermine what he's saying. And stuff. You know, you had said, um, you started talking about a bit about like peaking and, and how you kind of bring up the numbers. Um, do you... Do you switch up how far out you're peaking and starting to bring up certain waves? If you know what I mean, where like you're like, okay, I think this guy has a wave after six weeks and he starts coming back down on me. And you start putting like, look, it, I don't want you to peak too soon because we need your room to peak on that specific day. And you just kind of gather this information individually or is that, how does that work for yourself with your Yeah, that, 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 is, that is interesting and that is obviously a case by case and that comes with experience, not just experience in the industry, experience working with that particular athlete, obviously, uh, just to know how well they respond. Um, but the thing is, it's, it's a funny thing, as you get stronger, the rules change. Um, you know, when, it depends on what type of athlete you are. If you're an athlete that has to do multiple events, so like a strongman, mm. wow, it's, it's a really hard thing to juggle because in strongman, let's just talk about world's strongest man. Uh, that's done over, you know, uh, over a week 
Yeah. It's basically four days of qualifiers, then it's three days of rest, then it's two days of finals. And so they're basically performing 12 different events. So how do you train someone for 12 different events? Each different exercise places a different demand on the nervous system. So if you try and uh, prioritize each of the events equally, so for example, a max deadlift where they have to do, you know, the, now the number to beat is 500 kilograms. So let's just talk stupid for a sec, you know, like training thought to deadlift 500 kilograms. Um, you know, once he gets to, to this level where he needs to put some serious weight on the bar, which is not 12 months out of the year, uh, it's, it's kind of as he's approaching competition. That's when he's going to have to start getting heavy. He can't do that every week. He needs to periodize. He needs to basically, at that level, he's going to be deloading pretty much every fortnight. So he basically will deadlift once once every two weeks. Wow. Now, how does, how does that, how does that um, interfere with his other events? Like, he's got to do a heavy yoke as well. He's got to do a frame carry. He's got to do a heavy squat. He's got to do a heavy log. Uh, you know, the running events and all of those things, that's a lot less demanding on the nervous system and it's a lot more technical, so you can practice those things more frequently. But it's understanding the neural demand of the different exercises um, and, and, you know, a lot of people follow, like, like I said, the first program that, that comes to mind is someone will talk about a five by five, you know. What are you going to do? Five sets of five on a deadlift, five sets of five on a squat, five sets of five on a log press, five sets of five on a bench press, uh, of everything. They all place a different demand on the body. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the times my programs, it'll be a different rep scheme for every different exercise. It'll be a different uh, amount of recovery for different, each different exercise. Um, so, so I guess it just comes with, with experience, with a lifter. Yeah. Uh, under, understanding, and that's why it's important for me to be an athlete myself, is, is to be able to empathize with the lifter, to understand how hard uh, you know, doing a big squat or doing a big deadlift uh, session is on the body, how much time is going to be required for recovery. Um, it's case by case. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the difference between yourself and, say, some of these coaches that are going to be like, just suck it up and grind it out. You know what it's like to feel when it's central nervous system fatigue. You can't just fight through central. It's your, That's the engine of your body. You can't just will it to happen. And if you do and push through when you're getting fried, it gets worse, not better. Yeah. And as an athlete yourself, you'd be like, yeah, this isn't going to work like that. Like, yeah. You can make adjustments. Yeah. Where if you just got a guy who was always on the sidelines, never in the field, he turns into a fucking Mickey in a Rocky movie, and all of a sudden <laughs> he's like, how bad do you want it, kid? Let's like, get back out there. So, yeah, absolutely. I think definitely experience definitely helps as an athlete. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's nice to be able to motivate someone, and, and it does work to an extent and it depends and that's where it's also important to understand human potential um, and that's something that I have a fetish for is, is all of the records for example you know knowing what all the different weight classes are lifting uh, which gives you a better understanding of human potential so when you see someone you know like a world record uh, you know a bench press or whatever it is let's just call it 400 pounds just an arbitrary figure and you've got someone in that weight class doing 200 pounds saying I just can't do it and it's like Okay, we know that lifting half the amount that you can lift uh, isn't going to be as demanding. So there's a higher likelihood that you're going to need a little bit more motivation. But yeah, as, you, as the lifter gets more advanced, as they get closer to that end of the spectrum where they're, they're closer to their potential, uh, one, they definitely have the motivation. They, they have the self-motivation to get there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Um, yeah, and, and beating them like the you know, Rocky style, 
most times when you see me train, I'm, I'm pulling my athletes back a lot more than pushing them forward. That's the biggest. When it comes to weightlifting, it's not like, you know, it's not like, like, like day of you push, but in training, you can push a guy too hard where he's going to load up too much, belt off too many reps, and it's actually, hey, relax, man. We're not, you know, we got a few weeks here, you know, don't go too far. And look, let's face it, most of us are fairly ego-driven and when we got into this, so big dialing back is a big thing. These numbers, and there are sexy numbers you're chasing. You're attached to things. The difference between 290 kilo and that even 300 kilo. And so you just round up 300 because it's better. And you're like, listen, man, I said 290. We're sticking with 290. But it's easy to get wrapped into. I think we've all been down that road. I've definitely been guilty of that. Yeah. Um, In terms of like day of competition, ramping people up, what's it like at an event as big as like the world's strongest man? Do you ever have to, do you ever give half Thor some of these motivational? Because like the thing with the world's strongest man, I can't even imagine how beat up emotionally drained you could feel and some of these guys are behind on points you got to rally back do you, have you ever had to have these talks where you're like let me let me you know what let's let's have a chat for a minute or you know or, or is it certain athletes you don't because if you talk to them they think oh shit coach is talking to me that means something must be wrong and so you don't want to fuck them up either it's like a weird dicey thing right it, it you hit the nail on the head again uh you know sometimes a lot of the times with with Thor, for example, at that point, he knows what to do. So, for example, I don't know if it's, I don't know if they've televised uh, over there, World's Strongest Man, but uh, let's just talk about one of the events, which was uh, the overhead press event, and he came first. Yet, yeah, guys like Brian and uh, Matthias Kiriaskowski, uh, uh, Martins Lysis, these guys were looking in the in the lighter weights. It's rising bar. Thor came out on the opening weight, which I believe was about 400, and he strict pressed it, and it was a grind. Uh, see, after that, so everyone else, they pumped it up. You know, they used their legs for the overhead press. That's what they're allowed to do, and the weights have just gone, poof. You know, it's the opening weight, and that's how it should look. Yeah. But Thor, Thor sometimes he's just that freaking strong that he can do these things. So basically, I've walked back in the back room with him, and I've said nothing. And I'm like, how the fuck am I going to address this without pissing him off? <laughs> he, he, he knows that that was hard. So basically, I, this is what I do, is I film the event, I film each lift, and I show them. And he knows. And just before he was going for his next event, uh, his next lift, I just said one word, and that was legs. He goes, I got it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And that's exactly right. It's a fine line between pissing them off with, with being Captain Obvious. Yeah. You know, at, at, at that level, they're good enough to know, you know, and they know how it feels and they know, he knows the number that he needs to get to win it. Um, you know, this, it's all, with, with Thor, there's no stone unturned. We have kind of, like, we, we, we do, oh, wow. The amount of training that we do, that he's, he's at such a, a great position. So this is, uh, well, let's talk about strategy for World's Strongest Man. you got, the, you got the, the qualifiers. So you've got six events for the qualifiers and then six events for the finals. He trains only for the final events because he's that strong. He doesn't have to really work hard at the qualifying events to qualify for the finals. Mm. And we consider the qualifiers as like a deload for him. 
So basically, most of the competitors are busting their ass to make it through the qualifiers to get to the finals because they need to get to the finals. So they are, they've trained a lot for the, for the qualifiers and not necessarily trained that hard for the events in the finals. Mm, so yeah. it's, it's such a fantastic position that, that uh, you know, we're, by the time it comes to the finals, Thor hasn't even given it, like Thor's done RPE 8 the whole way, RPE 7, RPE 8 the whole way, whereas everyone else, all the other competitors are RPE, RPE 10, 11, if they yeah. exist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but by the time they get to the finals, they are beaten up. Now, I'll be honest with you, the same applies to Brian and Eddie. I was about to say, there's, there's, there's those guys who are killing it to make it to the finals and be like, yeah, we made it to the finals, and that was their goal. And they'll empty the tanks to get that far. Yeah. And then there's... The Mount Rushmore, there's those few guys that are always, who are like, oh, you're here again, no shit, okay, yeah. I'll see yeah. you there. Like, they exactly. know exactly. they're there every year, every year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so their strategy, a lot of the times, it's, especially for Walter Thomas Man, but even for powerlifting meet at the highest level, it's about um, preserving energy, you know? And when you're in their face, when you're doing the, the rocky approach and, and trying to get every last bit of energy out of them, what about the next event? Yeah. So most of the strategies that we have at that level, as I said, not just for the training, but on competition day as well, is, is holding them back. Mm-hmm. The moment he finishes a, an event, straight away we get him somewhere to lay down. We go and heat up his food. He's eating. He's relaxing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the guys are stressing out and, and uh, you know, um, try, you know sp- spending too much of their energy. Um, so, so, you know, as a coach, I guess it's, you know, everyone's got a different level. You know, but at the highest level, a lot of the times it's it's. Uh, I think the videos of uh, you know my mobile phone, my cell phone, uh, you know, video the event and show it to them. That's a very very handy tool. Um, they're at that level where they understand what they did wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and yeah, you just don't want to piss them off at the same time because I know what it's like when someone tells me what to do and I already know it. It's like, yeah, thank you, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... And it is true, energy management is probably understated as well. In all sports, whether it's MMA and in your book for a 12-round fight, look, you see an opening, take it, but also yeah. realize your book for 12 rounds, though. You yeah. know, or if there's, even powerlifting, look, there's three events. You go all out on this squat and belt it, RP10, huge grinder, and you are hyped up in between all three lifts. Easy, man, because these powerlifting competitions, even though it's only three events, can run for six hours. You know, and your yeah. emotional, your adrenaline comes up and goes. So when you go back at the IPF World Championships, I do the commentating there, and I'll swing yeah. around in the warm-up room in between events, and you see coaches be like, you know, earphones off, relax, talk, relax. And then yeah. before you go on there, pop the earphones on, cue your music up, go. But, you know, you yeah. got to bring the heart rate down because you can't run high that Definitely. hard. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Is there ever, and, and, and the flip side too is uh, what you're saying about not only pissing someone off being Captain Obvious, but also um, you don't want to rattle someone's confidence. Like half Thor, maybe not half Thor, but if it's a guy who's like, he's struggling, he's in deep, he, maybe he didn't even think he was going to get to the finals, but he's there. You, if he's doing some shit, you don't want to rattle him when he's already probably a little rattled and be like, yeah. you know, you got to be like, how do I be subtle? It's like you're a doctor. You're know, not trying to scare yeah. the guy with your prognosis. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like, absolutely. You're like, absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, sometimes it's also a matter of stepping out and getting someone else to be the bearer of bad news. You know, like we've got 
a lot of the times um, it's not just me. We've got a team of coaches and family and friends that are very close to these athletes, not just Thor, but all the other athletes. And sometimes it's a matter of getting someone to deliver the news to them, uh, you know, someone that they'll be able to take the news a little bit better from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a strategy and it's, you know, it's a location situation. You know, you have to, you have to think on the fly and uh, hopefully you make the right decision. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes things coming from your coach can be like, oh, shit, this is serious. I really fucked it up. Or it's like, no, it's yeah. not that bad. So you kind of send maybe someone else. Yeah, like a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, yeah. man, this is what I noticed. Um, look, we've had you for two hours, and I feel like we could fucking go for another two. But, uh, but we won't keep you. But um, one question we always ask everybody whenever we have them on, um, when all is said and done, and you've done, you know, let's say you're ready to hang it up, and you're going to retire. How would you like to be remembered when people look back and they remember you? Oh, wow. So it's the retirement question. So, you know, I guess, I guess um, you know, at the age of 36, I, I look at a lot of other high-level athletes. Uh, you know, in powerlifting, we've got Andre, who's over 40. Uh, you know, in, in strongman as well, you've got, you know, the greats. You've got Brian Shaw. What's he? He's uh, 36 as well. So He's Drew still... was in his 40s, still killing it? Zadrunas Abiscus over 40, you know, it's it's now possible, but it's still definitely something that I need to be thinking about. Um, and it's it's a hard one for me because, you know, as you guys know, a part of my coaching is that I'm an athlete as well. And something that I, that I take pride in is being able to empathize with my athletes. I'd like to be able to, I guess, in my, my career as an athlete, um, do enough to be able to carry me through when I retire. Uh, to be able to say, trust me, I know your pain. Yeah. I know what going through type of thing. Um, but, but something that I, I, you know, my mentors that I've had in the past, I've had a lot of mentors that have given so much free information. And that's, I guess, something that I like to be remembered by as well. Um, if anything is, is you know, I, I go from gym to gym and I see people arching with my technique and I've never met them in my life, and they told me that they learned this from me. It's a really nice feeling yeah. that I've been able to, that I've been able to help someone. And this is the beauty of social media. And a lot of people, they they kind of poo poo social media, and they say, you know, it's a it's a lot of attention seeking and all of this, uh, you know, or it's it's money making, and you're just trying to do whatever for your business or for likes or whatever it is. You know, unfortunately, you're never going to please everybody. But at the same time, without social media. Um, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't be as strong as what I am because I wouldn't know what numbers existed. You know, when you see a lot of great athletes that post a lot of their successes with themselves and their athletes um, publicly, it, it shows people what's what's possible. And it, it is. It's a really nice achievement to know that you've helped somebody. Um, and something that I also talk about when it comes to helping, it's not just about your PB lifting a heavy weight. A lot of the techniques that I talk about are rehabilitation techniques and you know, ways of, of lifting weights without pain or being able to live your life and not be in pain anymore, that's a huge win for me when I see someone that says to me, I use that arch and that bench press and I can bench press without pain. Or you taught me how to deadlift and my back pain is gone. I wasn't able to do X, Y, Z, but now I can because of you. These are really nice wins for me. And I don't know, I guess the universe works in funny ways. You get back what you put in um, you know, and, and it's something that I try and do is, is, is as dicky as it sounds and cliche as it sounds. I love helping people uh, because, yeah, you know, what goes around comes around. 
100%. I mean, the positivity is contagious. And it is true that what goes around comes around. Because um, if you're a positive guy and you're a good guy and people know that, you don't got to be in the room for other people to stick up for you. That's the difference. There's certain people, if they're in the room, they feel the onus, they might. If you're that guy, you don't even got to be in the room and everybody will stick up for you and be like, hey, yo, don't talk about Sebastian like that. He's a straight up dude, right? Yeah, it would be an interesting one to know how people would be talking about me when I'm not in the room. Yeah, I, hope, I, I guess I hope it would only be in a positive light. Um, you know, unfortunately, as I said, you can't please everybody. You, you put up something where you, you're trying to you offer free advice or, or give a free technique that works, that's beneficial, and you're still going to get people out there that, yeah. that try and bring it down because, you know, they believe that uh, if you're succeeding – how can they possibly succeed? You know, success doesn't work like that. There's plenty to go around. And just because, you know, you're going well, it doesn't mean that I can't go well as well. Um, you know, and, and I guess, you know, as you said, I'd like to be, uh, I, I don't know if I'd like to know how people would speak about me when I leave the room, but I definitely hope it would be in a positive light. Yeah, and you know what? In a lot of ways, that's the best legacy to have when it's not just like, well, here's my legacy, my achievements. That's cool, but... Here's my legacy when you've changed so many other people. You walk around in the gyms and you've seen people like, you know, you spread the word. You're a part of the piece that other lifters, other sports started doing weightlifting. Like, yeah. Jesus, I, I golf and now I'm, my career is 10 years long or whatever. Far bigger legacy. You reach far more people, you know. And, and, and for sure what you said about uh, positivity, 100%, man, it's contagious. And some people, it's weird actually are they get jealous when someone starts getting bigger and they start nitpicking because it's not them and it's weird you know it's it's a bad way of looking at things in general in life you know yeah it's, it's unfortunately you know a lot of the times when i have seen it i've learned to turn my back on it because at the end of the day the negativity out there it's, it's not it's not perceived well so when people try and bring other people down to lift themselves um uh, people, people are catching on. People don't yeah. appreciate it anyway. You don't you need know? to say yeah. that's right. If you, if you reply, if you look above it, you don't say yeah. nothing. Drives them nuts because they fucking see Sebastian doesn't even reply. He's stupid. But other people know what that guy's doing. Other people yeah. know it's like, dude, you're being shitty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De definitely, definitely, and that's that is a good thing. People are getting more and more intelligent. Um, you know, and and there is more good out there than bad. One hundred percent. Well, no. listen, man, thanks for coming on. Is there anybody you want to thank before I let you go or where people can reach you? Uh, look, I don't know. I think I've, I've spoken about some good people on there. You 100% uh, have. Yeah. I, I don't know. A lot of people follow follow what I do on social media. I talk about all the good people. You know, I, I like to shout out all of the people that, that can make a difference. Um, you know, I, I'm really happy that you guys contacted me. Um, you know, it's been a great chat. I love chatting with like-minded people, uh, and you guys obviously know what you're doing as well. So, good luck with your competition as well. When is that? It's uh, Saturday. Saturday. So that's the sa hang on a second. That's the same. Day. That's uh, 25th. Yeah. Is that IPF? Uh, it is. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. I'm I'm competing the next day. I'm on the 26th. Okay. So. Well, good luck with your competition. Good luck with you too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's yeah. gonna be a good weekend. It's good, that's good right. Weekend. That's right. Listen. 
Um, we love to have you back. Sometimes we do like preview shows. You have an amazing That's personality. Good. Some people, like you've That's got good. the charisma, the gift the gab, and you, we can feel too much. Dude, it's been over two hours. And if, seriously, I feel like we've lost no energy. You can keep going. But um, I could keep going as well, man. I really appreciate that. I love chatting with you guys, and I'd definitely love to do it again anytime. Perfect, man. Uh, awesome. Thank you for coming thank on, you. and good luck in your competition in the future, sir. Thank you. Good luck to you guys, too. Thank you, guys. See you, bye. Take care. Dude, that was a fucking that damn man, he's good. There's still so much more we could have covered. Oh my god, I swear to god. Okay, look at so right now in Canada, we're we're approaching 10 p.m. Yeah. Alright? Um, and we've been doing it's over two hours, not even fucking close to losing steam. Like I swear to god, I can keep talking to this cat. He's got an energy about him, right? That's why you could tell like if you are a half thor and you sat down with this dude for a seminar, went out for dinner, and start shooting the shit. Yeah, you could easily get like a positive vibe. He's the type of person, yeah, exactly. You talk to him for 10 minutes and you realize this is the guy I want. You show me how to lift. This is the guy I want. Yeah, it's me. In my corner backing me. Like, there's probably, there's so many people who know how to squat. So many people who could like put together a program and you'll get stronger. But there's not like, in terms of like putting shit in perspective and like getting you going from A to B and all those experiences. Like he'd be a dude if you're, in a hotel about to lift the next day and you're like, fucking, you, you choke this dude, you're gonna, you, you feel yeah. better. I don't know what exactly. it is, but some people can just give you the numbers and I'll see you there and it is what it is type shit. It's like, you know, you're someone on your own a little bit. Oh, okay, well, the squat, this is what I see, but there's something different about this cat. And he's a good ambassador because he can speak intelligently. He could, he's the type of dude that could sit down with like another, with someone else from a different sport speak intelligently in their language about their sport and how he can help and not just be like that, not just be like a media. There's some powerlifters like, ah, he would not be the dude I would no, exactly. nominate to be our ambassador. Yeah, no, <laughs> this dude could be our ambassador like anywhere you put him, he could fit in. You know what I mean? Like he's a, he's a likable type of dude. I could see why other athletes would, he'd be that dude. Guy he's the type of guy that anybody will gravitate to. You're going to gravitate to him. Yeah. You put him in a fucking dinner party and he'll end up, not that he's even trying or he's the guy who needs the attention, but you're probably going to, because here's what it is what fucking drives people who are negative who try to be trolls online and post like negative bullshit on, and we all know these fucking trolls, I'm not going to drop names, me, you probably yep. know people personally, who their thing is talking shit, trolling, trolling posts or whatever, and um, those are the guys who be at the same dinner party and everyone be naturally gravitating towards Sebastian, and they wouldn't say shit to his face because Sebastian's also a <laughs> beast and whatever. It's all about virtual background, but they would be the people. That's why they go home. They get angry. And they oh, they'd be, they'd be the person that yeah, exactly. That's and going on. They they don't realize, dude. It's your negativity. Why? And then you for negativity, you get some attention for being negative. But the the, the gig will be up after a few years. People are like, they're not with you. If shit ever happened, they don't got your back. Not everybody behind you's got your back. They're watching the show. They look at you like the it's same like, reason why they watch yeah, the Kardashians. Yeah, no, they're not. You're that they're guy. not lined up with you. They're stepping one step back and saying, well, "I'm gonna see how this finally plays out." I, yeah, I've been waiting for this for years. This dude runs his fucking yeah. mouth, and it's entertaining watching you run your mouth. But they don't. They're not your fan. Whereas this Sebastian, I'm not joking when I say like, if someone's a shit talking, I'm looking. I don't know this dude from more than just that conversation. And I would be like, look, and I, I'm not saying you know, they're doing a personal level, but that's not the, that's not the situation I know of him. Yep, you know, I, exactly. I, I talked to him for a, a solid minute, and someone's like, oh, he's an asshole. I'd be like, oh, I don't see I how you can walk it. away no. with that. Yeah, look at man. I, I couldn't see it. It's true. Like, real understands real, right? 
Um, but uh, yeah, that was a good fucking podcast. And um, the dudes that he's worked with, like, like, I think, you know, we asked him a question about when he's retired. Can you imagine the stories he's going to have when he is? When he's like 60 and he's like, you know, I think oh, I'm going to stop training people. He's 36. And he's already got stories about him and his family. Like, even just being in Iceland yeah. for six weeks is nuts. Living in Iceland for six weeks. It's a story. fucking the mountain. Like, it's not. Yeah, but the fact yeah. that where you live wasn't in a hostel is not with the fucking world's strongest Yeah, you just man. lived in his house. You were part it's, of his family. Yes. Dude, that is a reality TV show. There's a book. Yeah. He should write a book. The thing is, he can be amazing on camera. I would love to read a book he wrote. The guy is like, you know, but everything from all the competitions he has, like when he's flying around the world for these competitions, coaching people to like, yeah, guys like Alex Simon, who's on his way up. Like Alex Simon, for all we know, could be the next guy we're talking about. Yeah. After. He's talking about, like if you see this fighting, anybody who hasn't seen Alex Simon fight, the guy, like, I'm, I'm serious, man. It's, it's fucking scary. Guys who are like five and zero, usually if you're a heavyweight, because there's not a lot of heavyweights in the UFC. There's not a big depth. Guys are like in their forties, still hanging around because yeah. there's not a lot of talent. How many guys, three hundred pounds, are athletic out there who could do all this? It's few and far between. Alex Simon, God bless, is one of them. The only drawback, he's three hundred thirty pounds. The weight limit is two sixty five. Guys like Brock Lesnar. Cut from 300 pounds and you cut the water and make it, but it's tough. Yeah. Alex Simon, who came out from, you could be able to Came out from 400, too. Yeah, that's what it is, where it's like, we'll just drop 30 pounds. It's UFC, make millions. Yeah, he, he already came down 70 pounds, bro. He's like, you know when you, you came down, like, I think we're getting close to, you know, we could get lower, but yeah. what's my athletic performance going to be like? Yeah, because exactly. I got At some point, you're going to max out here. There's going to be, a, I'm just a there's big a, there's, dude. There's a floor, just like there's a ceiling. So Exactly, yeah, well said. There's a floor, just like there's a ceiling. And, um, and he's just a big-ass dude. So he's like, he understands it, and that's, I, I think he's absolutely right where that's going to be his biggest problem is getting down. But if he ever does... If he's so, we should have Alex Simon on there sometime because he's pretty nice. I'm yeah. going back and forth with him on social media. Crazy approachable. But I think anybody around Sebastian, I think that, yeah, I think Sebastian would, if he were found out when his clients wasn't, he'd be like, what's up, man? Actually, he yeah, said he would. He would. Yeah. He'd be like, I think it was almost like he wouldn't have a dude who wasn't no less. But yeah. um, Alex Simon, for his scary dude he is with a strong motherfucker t-shirt, he's an approachable cat, man. He's a, he's a straight up dude. But um, yeah, man, that was a hell of a fucking podcast. 212 minutes. I hope everybody... Listens right to the goddamn end. I yeah no I hope so as well. I'm gonna go back and listen to this one. I, I can't swear, it, so it's. I swear to God, I, you know sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't because you you got the next one in a few days. Yeah. I'm gonna fucking listen to this one myself, even though I'm yeah. the one talking. I don't try to style like weird narcissist. I listen to myself, but fuck man, that was that was inspirational. I loved it. Uh, I love the stories he's got. But anyways, for everybody, goddamn it, man. I know I keep saying it, but please. Listen to what the content we're bringing. Make sure other people hear this. They should they gotta hear this. Share it on your stories, and I know a lot of you do. Give it high likes, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Not just us, tell them about Sebastian, tell them about Alex Simon, because these dudes, yeah, you know, like, pass, pass on these names and pass on these athletes. because they're 100, they're worth it. And it, they're the positive, man. When you're like slow in motivation, these are the guys. No, these like are the guys you should be listening to. The yeah. guys that are going to bring you over to that next level just yeah. because you want to be like them. Positive it breeds. Positivity is contagious. But uh, anyways, thanks for coming around. Not sure. We don't have anyone booked yet. I'm not even thinking about next week yet. But it's going to be so much. We, we do nothing but the heavy hitters. And uh, so give us a like. Give us a subscribe from Six Pack Lapidat. And Paul Moranzan. Till next time. See you later.